So, Corey, thanks for joining us. How was your uh, trip to Italy? Oh, man, it was, it was beautiful. I mean, um, I did a little recap of my podcast, but it's, it's just really, of course, the, the southern coast is absolutely gorgeous. You know, um, it's like a, a camera can't even capture the horizon, you know, sitting on the side of a, of a mountain on the Amalfi Coast, just looking at the sunset every night. Um, yeah, it's just really, really beautiful. Um, and, and it really gave me like a bit of a insight into where the and why the Renaissance painters uh, were born there. And that movement happened there is because you look at the sky and the way that the pinks and and purples and blue hues come through every night in the sky there. You know, it's, it's just like uh, a lot of the famous Renaissance paintings that you see as far as the color selection and so forth. And it's like, oh, no wonder they're looking like the most beautiful paintings that you know the universe has created exist in the sky right now you know by nature and they're just replicating that and taking insights from what's being shown to them through nature and that was really really powerful and um then of course uh you know florence was incredible seeing the david and um the Uffizi, you know just seeing these the most famous pieces of art in human history um, always have this funny like dumb realization every time I see something like that. Like whenever I saw um, um, the Mona Lisa in, at the Louvre in France, I was like looking at it and it had this magical quality to it to where it looked like, like it had a soul, like it was alive or something. It really truly looks like it's sort of vibrating or something, you know, up close. Um, I was like, wow, this painting is amazing. As if that was a revelation, you know, as <laughs> it's like, oh, that's what's right. Yeah. Yeah. Piece history yeah and the uh, same thing well, with because David, you, you, you know? always you hear so much about it you hear about it all you know it's you kind of grow up knowing right like this is a mm. famous piece of work and we've seen images of it on our computer but yeah you're right to stand in front of like the actual thing right. that you hear so much about it's like it has some kind of uh like maybe like morphogenetic field of resonance or something <laughs> that like, comes out of it yeah that's fucking this? cool man yeah, it's like seeing a, a video of a volcano and standing next to a volcano. Two two very different experiences. Um, and, uh, you know, then in Rome, it was really just uh, took it to a next level after that because seeing things like the Pantheon and the Roman Forum and, uh, you know, these 2,000-plus-year-old um, ruins and monuments that are just, just like have a level of immaculance uh, that are, that is beyond really what the mind can register. And I think that there's to some point why they created them like that was that of course they're trying to make them as immaculate as possible, as opulent as possible visually and as dialed in in a geometric enough sense to where there is this, you know, whether it's an actual type of resonance that uh, is created from it or if it's how the human organism assesses and responds to shapes, geometry, uh, spatial reasoning, and so forth that creates the you know feeling of some almost ceremonial uh, impact when you experience those things. And all of these things had this mystical quality to them. Like I walked, I was staying like five minutes away from the Pantheon, so I walked by it like a dozen times intentionally and just like hung out there. And um, yeah, like. It, just as like a, a spaceship landed, essentially. You walk around the corner and it's like, it's blaring with its presence. And 
then like I was so blown away by it for some reason, it in particular. And I was walking around inside of it, looking around, and um, I was like just really moved by by it. And then there's a sarcophagus there, and it says Raphael. And it's like, oh, all right, as if this place wasn't enough. Raphael, the Ninja Turtles. Are... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, they had all the Ninja Turtles there, um, <laughs> except for um, Shredder. Man, that dude, he's got he owns a cheese shop. He's he shreds the freshest Romano. Um, hey, but anyway, um, yeah, man, just Raphael, you know, the, the painter is like buried, you know, his, his sarcophagus is in the Pantheon. It's like, as if it was enough that his bones are in a box, like right in front of me. And then like, I could talk about the Vatican for an hour, you know, easily, um, just like so overwhelming the Sistine Chapel. It's just amazing. It's really, people think that Alex Gray is psychedelic, but like the Vatican is fucking psychedelic, man. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I got to think that's where Alex and Allison Gray get their inspiration from because they're building something up in upstate New York at their place, Cosm, uh, Chapel of okay. Sacred Mirrors. I forget the name of what they're calling it, but it's like a kind of like a pantheon kind of thing where it's mm -hmm. all of uh, this psychedelic stuff. I, I really want to make my way up there. Yeah, I think it's called Cosm. Yeah, Cosm. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's yeah, incredible. Anyway, it yeah, was amazing. I mean, yeah, it's trippy seeing like every 15 feet there's some revelation to be had there. You know, like I was walking and going to check out the Mouth of Truth, which is this. Uh, if you are not familiar, it's like this big sculpted piece of marble that's probably 15 feet tall that looks like a kind of a face with the mouth open. And like the legend was that you know you would put your hands in the mouth and like you know if it bit you then you know whatever. But they actually theorized that it was used for sacrifices to, um, I can't remember who, I think maybe like Hercules or something, but they would sacrifice a cow on top of it and let the blood drain through the mouth in this thing. Anyway, I was walking there, <laughs> um, and wow. there's this like kind of, uh, you know, an outside ruin, of course, that's just, it's clear that it's some type of uh, you know, landmark, and it was stopped and was looking at it. And it's a, a ruin from like 2,000 years old, and it's like a theatrical outdoor kind of stage thing. And it's the place where Caesar was assassinated. You know, so it's like, oh, all right, you're just walking by, and it's like Caesar was stabbed right there. <laughs> you know, it's it's just wow. so trippy yeah. having the amount of history like packed into that one space, where it's just the kind of the birth of civiliz Western civilization in a lot of ways. You know, seeing the ancient Roman civilization. And so, of course, yeah. growing up, in, and I've traveled a fair deal, um, but just being American and growing up American, uh, we just have nothing even close to anything that tracks human history back that far. We were always on the other side of it, I suppose. We're always trying to innovate for different purposes. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, like, it's, you're literally taking like a, you're getting like three trips out of one. You know, you're flying there, so that's a trip. You're 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 on the on that end of the spectrum with the uh, with the trip, and then you're looking. You're taking a trip back in time by like being in this old place where all this historic <laughs> stuff happened, and then that's causing you to like trip like in your mind. And you're like, holy <laughs> shit! Like, what the fuck? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a holy and, Trinity, and you, man. You, you, tr you travel a lot, man. Where where are some trippy places you've been to? I've been all over Europe. Um, Asia, America. That's pretty much it. Um, I like Europe a lot. 
like Corey said, there's there's so many architecture that's so foreign to me growing up in Asia. We don't really see that kind of stuff. And then I've been to the Vatican and all that, all that good stuff as well. And it's a really fascinating place because like the Vatican, it's a city within a country. And you have so many stories coming out of that little you know, town almost. And when I was there, they had some kind of ceremony going on inside one of the cathedrals and we went in and we walked up and you can just feel the air is filled with some kind of other essence that consumes you and puts you into this kind of other state of mind almost like it's altering your consciousness and when you're i don't know if it's a placebo effect or is it actually something happening because when you're surrounded by so much beauty and geometry something happens to you I was actually reading this thing about a Jackson Pollock paintings. And if you're familiar with their paintings, it looks like splats of paint just randomly splatted on a canvas. But then they actually did some scientific measures to the painting and they found it was perfectly scientifically fractal. So mm -hmm. it was painted in a fractal fashion. And when humans look at those fractals, somehow we we get some better feelings out of that our brain waves actually generate i'm I'm not sure what it is but serotonin maybe and we feel oh, yeah. better when we look at fractals it's not some new age hippie <laughs> bullshit it's it's real and these artists they knew that effect somehow back in the day even they knew some kind of secret that these things would trigger good feelings inside your heart and brain and in the Vatican or in Rome or in Italy, the whole city is filled with that. It's just an artistic city and country. So when you're there, you get overwhelmed by all these fractal geometries and it's a really awesome feeling. And I just have to be wondering how these artists found out about this ancient technology because this is something that we don't even look at. Like modern science, we don't even pay attention to this kind of stuff we chalk it up to some new age bullshit. But people back in the day in the Renaissance, they knew all about it and they incorporated it into everything they, they did in their art and in, in their um, sculptures and paintings and in and, and everything. So there's, there's a lot of mysteries there is one, how did it find out? And two is why aren't we putting more research in this area? Yeah, I think I that's great. That's that's awesome. And I think that uh, it's because there was more freedom back then. There was it was a freer time where people were kind of encouraged to experiment and have direct experiences and go inward a lot more. And they the power to be, I think, figured out a good way to, to to keep, you know, to have a good game going for themselves you know, limit the amount of freedom that, that people have and, and thus the less, lessen the experimentation, I think, you know. Um, so I, th we, I think we see less of that today. Yeah, man, I'm like, you know, I've been out of New York for a little while. I've been upstate Woodstock and just like hanging out. And it's so good to be out of the city. Sometimes you're in the city, it's like you look around, it's so ugly. Like the architecture, <laughs> some of the architecture could, some of the architecture could be just so bland and boring. And it's like, I need to be inspired, man, by my environment. You know, we gotta, we gotta have more artistic expression in these places because, what is it? Spaces create places or whatever. There's like a feedback loop. The mind creates the environment, and the environment creates the person. And you know, I, I'm a big believer in that. You know. 
Yeah, one of the, well, firstly, just as you're talking about Jackson Pollock, a story I really like is that people often that don't understand or don't desire to try and understand, um, you know, abstract expressions art. Um, there's a, a cool interview with Stan Brakhage, the famous uh, film artist, and he was talking about going and going to Jackson Pollock's studio one time and how whoever he was with said something to the effect of like, you know, in Jackson Pollock's studio, it was like a giant barn, like this huge, like, you know, 100 foot long and wide barn. And uh, the person he was with said something to the effect of like, oh, you're just like, there's no accuracy in this. You're just kind of like, so you just got dribble shit everywhere. And, <laughs> you know, um, that's, <laughs> and uh, the Stan Brackage dude said that Jackson Pollock like dipped his paintbrush in, in uh, a bucket of paint and like flung it, the uh, the paint, and hit the knob on a door that was like 50 feet away with this blob of paint. And it was like, <laughs> yeah, there's plenty of accuracy in what I'm doing. Um, but um, anyway, like I, I see what you're saying about why that in the world of art that it seems that the um, seeking in some ways of a transcendent opulence that is clearly defined as somehow spiritual in its resonance has declined. But I feel like it's just changed. I feel like it's there. And it's something that is, that's just the, the carrier which was delivering that message and that approach then. As society has changed, as civilization has changed, I feel like that the carrier for that medium has just shifted. And so, you know, in some regards, look at the iPhone. The same amount of, you know, uh, resonance and connection with the human and how it feeds back into us and what we feel whenever we interact with it, some would argue is much greater than the Renaissance paintings or something like that, or some, you know, Jackson Pollock fractal piece of art. Because not only is it you know, is it made to feel like it's a part of you whenever it's in your hand, like an extension of your body? Like, where does the, my hand, hand stop? Where does this, you know, phone begin? But it interacts with the heat in your body. If you touch the screen, it responds to light in the room. It, it, it completely is like a second brain that's responding not only to you, but the environment that your body's in. And so to me, I, you know, things like that, that that exist now, I'm like, they're, we're just, we still have the same drive and ability, I think perhaps greater. It's just being put into products, you know. And I mean, I think the iPhone is a work of art, you know. But the, thing, the difference is that this iPhone or this work of art, well, is like the glass, you know, the glass nipple that we're suckling our digital milk from. <laughs> and we're all addicted to it, vampirizing our consciousness, if not used wisely. Mm -hmm. Speaking of your yeah. iPhone, I just deleted my Facebook app on my phone uh, the other day, mainly because my sports team lost, and I can't bear the the memes that are coming out. But Cavs, uh, yes, but I don't want to get into that. <laughs> but you know, I'm really sad about that, and I deleted my Facebook app just because of not wanting to deal with the sadness that comes in the forms of memes on Facebook. So. I found this actually really freeing without the Facebook app on my phone, just as a side effect, because it's really 
a mind prison whenever I'm out or I'm in a subway or am I'm waiting for whatever. Like I'm on my phone checking Facebook 24 hours a day. Even the first thing I do when I wake up, check my Instagram and check my Facebook. I look at how many likes I got and it's little serotonin hits. It's little fractals in my mind. And I'm so addicted to those little things that it's become a part of me. It's become a part of the, the feedback system that I rely on. It's almost like food, but for my mind. And when I deleted the Facebook, I didn't think twice about it. If my team didn't lose, I would not never delete my Facebook app, but I did. So I just decided to do it. And when I did, I realized this is all the clouds going away in the sky. This is a clear sky for me. Like I'm no longer being trapped by this, this little blue app that can recognize where I am 24 hours a day and gather all my data and all these things. Now I just, whenever I look at my phone, I still have those reflexes to click on the, the app, but the app is replaced by another app now. So whenever I do that, I put my phone back in my pocket and I just look at, on the outside, look at the outside world, whether it's a city or other people. And it's so much freeing. I mean, I'm not really doing anything else other than people watching, but somehow it plays a really important role in my life now that if I'm not checking my Facebook or depending on these likes that I'm getting, it's, it's, it makes a huge difference. And it's really a, a mind fuck because I don't know why, I don't know when this became my life. Have you guys noticed this as well? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah totally. Yeah. It, it can be demonic, man. I, I was, I was horrible on Twitter for a while when I was doing my <laughs> political, I was doing my political show and I was, you know, we were all up in the election and we were getting, you know, huge ratings and stuff, but I was turning into, I was turning into like a troll. I was like, who can I argue with <laughs> on Twitter day? It was horrible, horrible. And, and I noticed that was happening. And I got to say I, at the, around the same time, Corey, I started using your meditation course release into now. It, it was like, okay. Cause I, n I never really was able to be consistent with meditation before. I never really gave it a full go. So I checked out Corey's course, releasing it now, started meditating. Such a huge difference. Just just implementing that in there. And then also this guy Tristan Harris. He's uh he's he's a great great guy. He talks about how to reorganize your phone. I I put all my apps into folders, moved it to the back of the phone. Just balancing out there's so much more power in my life now from balancing out, creating space and that stuff because yeah ed like it could it could be demonic like the the, the addiction level uh the novelty seeking the constant dopamine hit it's it could be bad and and i'm 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 a kind of person that gets lured into that so creating some space meditating balancing it out i feel like i have a lot more power and control now over that stuff yeah, yeah it's all about i think being aware of what's happening you know and i know i've gone through periods where um especially around like launches of certain things where uh, like I joke about having more notifications in an air traffic controller, you know, where it's just like the amount of emails and notifications and messages I get every day um, are just kind of too much, you know, like I can't, um, I can't even like respond to them all. And uh, it, to me, it's, it's weird as it gave me this level of anxiety where I wanted to respond to all those because it's like someone takes the time to share something with you uh, a thought or just even saying hi or something like that and if i feel like it's like um 
kind of rude to not respond and at least, you know, give back some time. Um, but it gets to a point with that and like the comments and all those type of things where there's this, this low level just resting anxiety that exists because you're always reaching for and looking for that notification and trying to interact with that, that, that world. And I, um, I started like thinking a lot about not only that, but the value of social media and, um, mainly from my own posts, you know, I, everything I, uh, I give my time towards, I like to give it a lot of thought, a lot of, uh, um, you know, passion and effort and very sincerely, um, think very deeply about what I'm doing so that it's, uh, has meaning to me. So I see a deeper level of meaning into it. So that when that way, whenever it goes out there, it actually has value for the person that's reading and actually can mean something. And, um, you know, there's so many, and, and nothing against anyone, you know, if here that might do this. Uh, it's just simply the the medium of the internet. But uh, there's so many sites and like pages and things like that that it's like it's as if they get like a list of quotes off of brainyquotes.com, put in spirituality as a search term, and then a list of like quote unquote like trippy gifts, and then it's just like putting <laughs> one in one. There's a post, one in one. There's a post, one in one, and it's like it's manufacturing content. Um, out of nothing. So there's no passion there. There's no, well, there may be passion. There's no chipping off a piece of your soul. There's no original thought there. There's no contemplation. There's no new original offering to give out to the world in that. And so whenever I would see things that I will spend, you know, I'll write something for like, you know, half an hour, an hour, maybe three paragraphs, but I think about it and edit it and think about it and really kind of fold that steel, sharpen the steel. And then I look for a picture that metaphorically speaks to the symbols and themes within the thing I wrote so that there's a communication here. And that can take in half an hour, an hour, of just finding the right picture that resonates in the right way. And I'll see, like, the time I'd spend creating that type of content and putting it out there, I see if it gets three or 400 likes or 1,000 likes or whatever. And then in the timeline, I'll also see Brainy quote with a, you know, second... <laughs> from over the psychedelic image and has the same amount of likes and shares or something. And so at some point I started wondering like, why am I spending so much time, you know, putting the effort into this process whenever the value that's being, um, you know, taken from the observer within the, the system of social media seems to be about the same. So the more I thought about that, the more I began to think about Marshall McLuhan and the medium is the message. I started thinking that, yeah, well, you know, the medium is inevitably imprinted within the message, no matter what it is. So the delivery system for the idea will have the delivery system baked into it. And thought, well, perhaps in some way that's a failure on my part to recognize the fact that the structure of social media is inherently to be scannable. It's to be flickable. It's a timeline. You're supposed to be moving down. It is wide. It's not deep, per se. And so I thought, well, maybe that's me wanting to make social media something that it isn't, hoping that people will pause within the flow of their timeline, take the time to actually contemplate something. Because I thought, like, what type of spiritual bypassing is going on here? Are people really taking those brainy quotes and those little quotes from <laughs> that, that people put out there? Are they reading those and are they incorporating those into their lives? Are they contemplating them deeply and trying to abstract their own meaning through where they've experienced similar themes and philosophical concepts at, like that within the pathways of their own life and abstracted some type of, of new you know, unique wisdom that helps them grow as a human being? 
I don't think so. In most cases, I would say that most people probably subscribe to a lot of those type of culture feeds, insights and things like that in order to feel associated with their idea of something that seems to be spiritual to them so that if they like it and have those things flowing through their feed, that in some degree, that if they do connect with it in that way, they feel as if they're making some advancement personally whenever really they couldn't even remember who or what the quote said that they read 20 minutes ago. However, they've liked it. And in a subconscious way, it felt connected to an idea of something spiritual. So the more I thought about that, the more I began to think about um, Jean Baudrillard's uh, Simulacra and Simulation. It's like a postmodernist mm-hmm. book. You, you guys familiar with that one? Yeah. yeah a great yeah. Postmodern, postmodernist book from like the 90s. Mm-hmm. And I began to apply the theory of that to social media, the more I thought about it, and just the internet in general. So his, in the very basic you know, structure of his idea is like, that there, at one point there was an original, and then there's um, the copying and dissem- dissemination of copies of that original in culture and society. And eventually what happens whenever you go to, you know, use the symbol structures which you apply uh, uh, to your own reality that form and shape your subjective consciousness, that the basis of that symbol that you're applying to this thing, this copy of what once was original, erases the idea of the original and now replaces that original with a copy. So an individual's subjective understanding of their reality, as I said, begins to slowly become replaced with copies or the furthest idea or remembrance of an idea or something or symbolism that they can recall as opposed to actual original uh, representations of reality. So as I started to apply that to social media and think about that, you look at like Ed, you were saying that whenever you go to Facebook, you're clicking on it and it's just taking up all of your time. You're getting these dopamine hits. I think most people in the world are experiencing that right now in civilized society. But what is that? What are you actually experiencing? It's a, it's, it is this system. You go into Facebook and, or some type of social media site and for the, in a lot of regards, in most regards, they are ideas and things and representations of reality which actually are not even in touch with the original. They're copies of copies of copies. They're things that are shared. They're things that people have said and that have people have parroted. They're ideas and artwork and um, you know ideas about like you were talking about sports. They're, they're ideas people heard elsewhere from sports that have gone, played the telephone game, gone through their brand and they've regurgitated something they heard elsewhere onto the internet and it probably uh, flowing through their filter a little bit but it's come out here so it's not even the original thing that the person heard it's something that they've parroted and regurgitated put into this this portal that is the internet or some social media thing and then that gets copied someone reads that and so forth and so forth now apply that distance from originality and reality times 10 and then make it something that's not even tangible it's all digital you know online representation so whenever you go into this world to look for, you know, reality, you're experiencing something that's so far, it's a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy of what the actual world is and what life experiences. And so, of course, people feel displaced, you know, and they don't, they feel anxiety and don't feel connected to themselves and their thoughts and their surroundings and so on, because most people are lost in a hologram that's not even an actual good hologram. It's a copy of a hologram. <laughs> and that's what they're looking at as a representation of reality. So, of course, whenever you pull your head from underneath the digital water and breathe real air, you see uh, a world that's a little bit more unstable and a little bit more confusing, and you're a little less comfortable in it because you're dealing with an actual organic truth. 
Yeah. Yeah, this is um you're talking about the Matrix, man. Uh, Simarok, <laughs> uh, the, 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 that's the, that book that was a big inspiration for for the Matrix. Um, and yeah, I mean that that is that is exactly what is happening when people talk about, you know, I hear people maybe joke about it a lot, like, oh, yep, you know, back out of the Matrix or something. But it's like, no, no, no. It's like there's really a lot of people living inside of the Matrix. You know, not, obviously not in like tubes with robots and stuff like that. But, you know, in the way oh, yeah. that you described it, they're existing in this virtual realm. And, you know, actually, I just watched a really interesting video the other day about uh, how young men are kind of being uh, not we're, we're kind of failing our young men in society. And, and there was a there's was a, good, a very good argument that took place and why a lot of young men are dropping out of society, becoming gamers and addicted to pornography and, you know, then being depressed and prescribed prescription medication and these kinds of things and the sort of effects that that has on society and culture and the, the kind of results that we get from allowing these sorts of things to happen and to take place in our, in our society to have these kinds of invisible prisons. And I think, you know, uh, you know I, I really thought what you said, Corey, you really nailed it. I think it's our job a lot of the times to try and show people the, the walls, the bars. You know, there's, uh, that's, how, that's, my, that's how I feel about that. So, but I thought you really, uh, really nailed it on that. Ed, what do you think? Well, I don't even know how to respond to that because <laughs> I, I live in a totally different world when it comes to social media. For for my social media, um, I've been dealing with a lot of people that are in the psychedelic world, I guess, if you want to call it that or whatever. It's not even a real world. It's a psychedelic world on the internet. And they would read my posts. See, the thing is, I'll post a lot of funny stuff stuff that doesn't make sense or i'll test some waters i'll test the tempers of people with some of my posts it's really edgy it's really it's kind of people find of find it offensive and i like to do that i like to do that a lot because i like to see where people lie in terms of <laughs> in terms troll, of man. where they stand um you can call me that but <laughs> i i like to to kind of see where people are at and see where they stand and things like that. So I post stuff that sometimes cross the line and I am totally conscious of me doing it. And when I do it, people message me or they, they go on the comments and they'll send me messages of hate or whatever. But to me, it's like, well, you, you're, you're proclaiming to be a spiritual guy. You're proclaiming to be a love and light warrior. But here you are saying you want to kill me or you want my my mom to die whatever so i'm exposing you right there and then so that's my mission i find that really fun and the the way i look at social media it's a tool for me to gauge where people are at and it's a tool for me to kind of test people and i it's just something that i find fun and intriguing but at the same time, I, f I feel like people take social media way too seriously whenever I post something that crosses the line for whatever reason. And of course, I don't post anything that you see violence or induces violence or I don't call on you know horrible things to happen. It's just I post an image that could be a symbol of something that's against the psychedelic world. Maybe it's Jeff Sessions or something like that, right? So 
of, of course, there's nothing wrong with Jeff Sessions as a person, but people in this world see him as the the devil and the enemy. So they would attack the post and therefore attack me and associate myself with Jeff Sessions. And because they've self-identified with themselves with somebody that's for psychedelics, they're on the psychedelic army, they're on the side of spirituality, the side of Buddha. So they have to attack the different side. And to me, that just screams insecurity on their part because they're not even sure where they stand. They have to take sides. See, the thing is, I don't give a fuck about Jeff Sessions or anything like that. To me, it's just fun and games. And I don't self-identify myself with a team as except for sports because that's a whole different thing but when it comes to spirituality or because, psychedelics because it's what actually matters too <laughs> exactly <laughs> but when it comes to you know these things like yeah, yeah. Le lebron is deciding the fate of the world <laughs> exactly. I, I was just like you're triggering me right now Ed. if you go look at my my pinned tweet it's a it's an image of jeff sessions with devil horns on yeah i hate that guy <laughs> i know I you do him. and that's exactly why i do it is because i want to see the reactions and Trigger. i'm I'm here to test people. And I just feel like people are taking this way too seriously because they've self-identified themselves too seriously on this spectrum. Like, why do you have to take this with such, such serious intent? I don't really understand because if you take enough psychedelics, you would know this is just an illusion. Everything you're seeing right now in front of you it's not certain. I'm not sure if it's an illusion, but you know, it, I'm I'm sure that you no, you're not sure. That's what I'm sure of. I'm sure that you're not sure what this is, but people are so sure of themselves and they express it via social media that impacts me because they'll write nasty comments or they'll they'll write hate messages and just I just feel like why should I put so much time like Corey is into my Instagram posts? Sometimes I do. Don't get me wrong. When I'm feeling inspired, when I'm really high, when I'm in an art artistic mode, I'll spend hours and hours to write something. And I'll usually post it on the, on the blog, but then I'll include it on the, on the Instagram as well because why not waste it, right? So sometimes I'll do that. And like Corey said, it'll get less likes than the memes so it's like well why am i doing this because like i'm putting so much time and effort putting together this piece of art really into your computer screens or instagram screens when i can post a fidget spinner and it'll get a thousand likes you know what i mean so it's like i get this so this this crazy spectrum of instagrammers where on one side is these crazy delusional people that love psychedelics but hate everything else and there's other people that really appreciate the art form that comes out of it but most of it like Corey said Instagram's designed for the people that are crazy delusional they have attention spans of goldfish and they don't really look at even even if they see those big captions those paragraphs of captions, they're not going to read it. They're just going to scan through it and speed read it and look at an image and click like, and they don't really put any thought into it, right? So it's like, to me, sometimes I wonder what is the point of this, of writing such 
great artwork and poems and taking nice pictures because I love photography as well. Like I will, if you look at my actual um, personal Instagram page, it's a lot actually a lot better than the psychedelic milk one. It's actually a lot more deep, a lot more artistic. The photos are actually taken by myself, and they're taken by my good camera, and there's a lot more thought put into it. But with the psychedelic one, the community there it's so so violent and nasty and aggressive that sometimes I just don't even put in the effort. And maybe it's my fault because I'm triggering them to be that way. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it's, you guys feel man, about it's, that. It's all about. I mean, it's it's all about what you put out is what you get back. Like, I've literally never got one single negative <laughs> message or anything, you know. And uh, you know, you seem to be interested in not reducing people's suffering, but exposing their suffering. Right. Yeah. So well, you're putting things out to inflame. I'm just trying to have fun. <laughs> right. Exactly. So in in that approach of of having fun, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's like putting out inflammatory images um, to get people to react. Like whenever someone reacts, you challenge someone in the very act of a reaction, not a response, but a reaction, because that's what you're getting by challenging people's ideologies or, or their safe zones or whatever, is that in that response or that reaction, sorry, um, you know, you're challenging their ego because it's the way that they see the world and what they think is right. And so whenever that's challenged by something that you, you know, as you said, that is outside of what they, someone might think is right or acceptable, um, they feel like their ego is being attacked. So they, an animal response kicks on, right? Because you're challenging the very way that they assimilate reality. And so it becomes an animal violent response, a protective mechanism, which adds to lash out. And most people don't realize that offense and aggression is almost always a form of defense because it's like a dog barking to get someone to back up. So whenever you put out something inflammatory and someone has a negative reaction, that's that's just the exact recipe that you're, you know, it's, you're getting exactly what you're putting out there. Yeah, and I think I talked to you about this before, and the reason why I do this, and I don't do this anymore, not as much. Usually now I post like quotes and um, promotional material for the podcast, but I had this period of time where I had um, a higher expectation for people that take psychedelics. I had this elitist mentality, thinking, "Hey, if you smoke DMT or dick ayahuasca or LSD." you shouldn't react to the things that I put out. You should have a less of an ego. You should not have these inflammatory reactions because you're more woke than that. You're more awakened than other people. And when I had that realization that, hey, actually, just because you take ayahuasca doesn't mean you're better controlled or your ego than anybody else, that's when I realized, hey, what I'm doing is I'm just inflaming normal people because these people are just normal people. But the thing is, they act like some of them, not all of them, they act like they are superior to others. They have this elitist mentality because, hey, I've been to the Amazon. I've seen the snake gods. I've, you know, I've met Horus, blah, blah, blah. So they talk about ego. They talk about ego is the enemy. They have tattoos on their hands like Ryan Holiday. Ego is the enemy. And whenever I spike them with thorns, their ego inflates. 
And I find that to be extremely interesting because at one hand, you're just telling me, hey, I don't have an ego. I'm all love and light and DMT. On the other hand, even if I poke you with a thorn, you lash out at me like a lion. So that's the fun part for me. And I'm not sure if I was, I was the one that was delusional because I had the thought that, hey, people that take DMT or whatever are more love and light. And now that I've realized that is probably true, I was a delusional one. I've stopped doing that. So yeah, well, man, that, you know that's a good. You're actually serving a good purpose in some ways, and that like that's why I don't like the whole quote unquote psychedelic community. Like I intentionally keep a distance away from that. I keep a distance away from all communities. I think that any like um, yeah. system of thought that can be identified with a with a word in some ways is bad because in order inherently in the identification of a system of thought you need boundaries to to define that system of thought and boundaries create walls and those those create ideologies and i think that all of those things lead to what you're talking about uh, i think that one of the the most common you know probably nine out of ten times um a percentage i came up with based on that uh, absolutely nothing is uh i mean people that do psychedelics are just people and just because you can show, you know, you could take uh, an individual and show them the most complex math equation of all, all time and say, hey, here's the, some astrophysics equation, and they could look at it all day. It doesn't mean they understand it. It doesn't mean that they, they, they're any more closer to being an astrophysicist. They've just looked at an equation. And, you know, it takes, it's an, it's an interesting period in, in time for, you know, as you said, things like DMT and ayahuasca to be making a resurgence that they are. Because everyone expects things to have an instant effect, like the dopamine effect like from social media. Whenever really, like, the path of awakening the mind and, like, um, you know, breaking the ego and all those type of things you describe, that's a lifelong pursuit. You know, it's not something that you can just take a pill or smoke DMT one time and you're just a better person. It, it perhaps it might make your perception like module modular in the slightest way so that you can even begin to understand the concepts of your own perception and and to have some type of mindfulness arise but it's interesting and it's, it is funny to me that i think you're serving a good purpose you're sort of like trying to think of the right character to equate it to like historical character but like the rascally uh you know, Machiavelli. Uh, he, yeah, a little bit. All right. But, uh, uh, short form. Um, but it's like out there, the people who have drank their own medicine and believe the illusion of themselves and of the quote unquote spirit you know, psychedelic world. And then you're like, if their whole self identification is, I don't have an ego. And then you do something to make, make them lash out. It's, I mean, it is have a hilarious function. And a useful function because it's like, oh, there, there's your ego. But, you know, with yeah. that pursuit, Ed, on your side of things, you have to be prepared that you're entering into a contract of war with <laughs> with that, that society. So expect what comes with yeah. that, you know. Oh, yeah, I'm definitely prepared Yo, my, now. My ego is so much smaller than all of your egos, by the way. <laughs> like, I have the smallest ego. I basically have no ego. My ego is tremendously tiny. But, yeah, this is <laughs> – I, I – 
I definitely went through those stages. Like like Corey says, when you you th- you can think, you can be teased and tricked and think that you've woken up, but that becomes a trap as well. Everything there's like stages of traps. I think that you can fall into, and this is why like Cho Young Trumpa's spiritual materialism, where he talks about this and, and moving through those those traps, like a monkey in a cage, and and defining your your walls and those and those sorts of things. And it's like we we all live in some sort of trap like i as far as as far as i at least i could speak for myself i know that i still move through traps i still move through you know i still wade through those waters like i'm not walking around like i am an all-knowing infinite being you know i mean i well you're not i know i know (laughs) that i have so much more right but but it's it's hard to do i think because every for me, on my journey, I feel like for every level that I've attained some kind of new insight, some kind of new awakening, some kind of new understanding or knowing, feeling or sensation or, or gain some kind of new perspective on something, it could it, it is a little difficult because it could be a trap where you feel like, oh, okay, now I know what's going on or now I have something figured out. And... Um, and I think that it could also be very, very difficult. I went through a difficult ayahuasca experience, like a kind of an awakening experience that was rough and bump. It was a bumpy road, and you know that's that's something that I think that a lot of people need to understand is that sometimes in this process, it's not easy. It is challenging, and it's not going to be sunshine and and daisies and and all that kind of stuff. And uh, you know what Corey was saying what leads to it leads to this ideology it could lead to an ideology and to a worship and that's i love this uh this this philosopher slavov zizek uh, he has this movie this documentary I, f- I forget what it's called but he's talking about ideology and how you want people to wake up and like maybe ed this is something that you you're doing like rowdy roddy piper is in this scene where he's he uses the glasses to see the real world. When he puts the glasses on, he sees the truth. You know, it's a, it shows money. It says, this is your God. Uh, you know, buy a home, get married. All these subliminal kinds of messages and programming that we get from the culture, from the society. And he sees it for the truth when he puts it on. He's, he can't believe it. He's astonished. And he wants his friend to see. He wants someone else to, to walk with him on the path and to, and to see what he sees. But his friend won't put the glasses on. And he fights him, fit like they get you no know, like it's one of the most famous like fight scenes in John Carpenter's They Live. They 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 have a physical fight for like ten minutes, because that that could be the struggle as as Slavov Zizek. The, the point that he makes is this this breaking through ideology, this waking up period can be violent and hard and bumpy and and I think the reactions that you get from a lot of people are because they're resisting because they think that they have it figured out because it's very frightening and scary to admit that you're not in control that you don't have it figured out you know to submit that 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 level i think well i think what i find disturbing is that there is somehow an absolute truth when it comes to spirituality it seems like whenever i talk to or interview people i ask them who are you and the first question and sometimes they'll say, hey, I'm a shaman or I'm, I'm working with plant medicine, but I work towards the heart, towards the light, towards goodness, towards compassion and all these things. And I think they're great. I think that's the right way to go. But is that the absolute truth? Is that your projections? What's going on? Because I, I don't really know if 
going towards the path of spirituality or, or these psychedelic drugs, the, the truth will be those things. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But yeah, because there isn't the truth. There's your truth. Right. And there, that, will, that will always be. And you know, one of the things I try and encourage people to do, like even in my meditation course, is from the very outset, I say there, there is no mystery to be unveiled. There's no um, answer to be found. There's only your mystery to be unveiled and your answer. And you find, um, you know, uh, this thing that I was on the other day, I was saying, like, you know, we spend all of our lives um, looking for different ideologies, looking for one that makes sense to us, whenever really the one we're looking for all along is the one that was doing the looking at all the different ideologies. And the ideologies we need to find is our own. We need to understand our own personal truth and our, uh, how we find meaning in, in life and what matters to us and track back uh, you know, the awakening and the, the releasing of our own suffering. And the, uh, the, as Mike, as you described, going through those, those experiences of acknowledging, identifying parts of yourself, the ego, and working on those. And then there's the mourning period you talked about, which is very powerful. And I've been through, I don't know, a dozen of them in my life. As if whenever you find some piece of yourself, you know, and it, it, ego is such a flexible, like, subjective term. But um, you find this piece of yourself that you let go of. That's a self-identified notion of what you were that you recognize and it's revealed to you as a false impression of truth and as you release that that's a part of your I chipping up a piece of yourself it's an idea of who you are and there is a mourning period in that there's a, a a depression that goes along with that because you're literally letting a part of yourself die and then you know the, the term I coined is existential paralysis that occurs after that is like well I've released the meaning of what I identified to be truth to be myself to be the world so then you're in a void of oblivion trying to rebuild what meaning even means and the symbols that you identify as truth in your life but it's all about um you know this kind of little structure i came up with recently was there's data there's information outside of your body and that's things that are written those are concepts and things like that knowledge is whenever you can remember those things that are written down or those things that are said um wisdom is whenever you are living your life and you apply that knowledge that you remember to a scenario that you encounter in life that deals with that knowledge. And that's whenever wisdom arises. So it's this process of taking all of these things that we read, you know, not, not that mean something to someone else, but things that resonate with us, things that are important to us. And as we experience life, remembering those things, and when we encounter a situation, applying those things to how it fits ourselves in those situations. And that's whenever, you know, a real teaching um, can be had. Otherwise, it's all just remembering things, you know, in memory recall. But I think em embracing, you know, and entrusting the, the self in this whole process of not only the pursuit of um, reducing one's suffering, increasing, increasing one's awareness, uh, increasing one's compassion, and so on, um, you know, so much of that is embracing who you are and, and allowing yourself ex the acceptance of what is, the acceptance of the self. Well, that's the problem though, right? Because most people living on this planet don't know who they are because they've been conditioned in many ways and they copycat other people 
and whenever they see something that looks good maybe it's psychedelics or meditation or whatever they latch onto it and carry that identity they wear all those clothes and buy all those things that are associated to those cultures and when they do that they kind of have this um operating system that is already written for them instead of writing their own operating system it's okay to like psychedelics <laughs> and like it's true man. you know it's what i mean true, but it's true man but here's the thing it's like we can that that's that's judgment you know in a way you're looking at these people and i understand what you mean believe me like i i see it <laughs> hell i see it but you see people who are living an idea of something instead of the truth of something or they're co-opting some some uh, ideology or culture thing to create a personality for themselves or to lull themselves into some uh, diluted sense of self or so forth. But man, you gotta just let people have their little things, you know, like well, well, yeah, all, of everyone, course. Is, everyone is going <laughs> on their own path. I'm not on and the like, street you, taking her clothes yeah. off. You can't have this. You know what I mean? Like, no, 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 well, but, I used but, to, but, I, I used to be like a militant atheist. Like I was in yeah, college, like, like I was a hardcore atheist and, nihilistic and just really you know <laughs> super dark in a lot of ways and uh yeah yeah Corey, you know you said it you gotta you kind of have to just let people have their things you can't be that that's kind of i don't know it's, it's hard to be that way it's difficult is because like i went through that you know up until i don't know yesterday <laughs> no i mean i do the exact same thing and it doesn't have to be with with like you know spirituality things or psychedelic things but man just in life like, whenever you're standing in line at the airport or something, like a good example, and there's some dude wearing, um, like, you know, brown leather loafers and a plaid, you know, T-shirt, and he's got the most annoying voice in the world, and he's talking really loud on the cell phone in front of you <laughs> in a voice that would, to someone else, but in a voice that he thinks would impress his father. You know, that whole type of thing. You can just <laughs> hear it, the tonality. And it's like the thing arises where it's like, oh, God, this guy is like making my skin crawl. But, you know, I, I think a, a great like um, approach to that. And, and that's just one situation in you know, all of these things that you're finding these inconsistencies with 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 authenticity that you're pointing out is that we, we all have those things to a degree. Um, but whenever I said the acceptance of what is earlier, that's part of what I was talking about. Is like seeing that guy, having that guy in life, you know, be the irritant, having the person wearing the fractal all over print, long <laughs> sleeve, you know, male romper or whatever it is that, yeah. that really irritates you. And just like finding the space to, to observe that and allow and accept that like person to exist and just think, you know what, that person is like doing their thing. They're on their own path. And even the guy with the loafers talking, you know, on the cell phone that's annoying. It's like that's just this guy's incarnation, and like not allowing yourself to get in, invested and let your ego and like the hate recorder in your mind. Like I get it all the time, like constantly. You know, the hate recorder, just <laughs> things that irritate you, where it's like, what the fuck, man? But it's just, I really try and bring it back to to as as cheesy as it sort of sounds. I, I do try and bring it back to compassion and love in those those moments, you know, because feeling the incompatibility, like cultural incompatibility with, with someone like that or with someone who to your eyes you see as not being authentic or something like that, um, 
what is that really doing like on the ground floor of yourself? It's keeping you distracted and it's actually your ego picking out things um, that you're observing in order to get your attention and create like a fire so that you become wrapped up in your own self-identification and, and the whole and the reason why it's hitting you so hard is because you're doing what they're doing in the moment that you're seeing it. Yeah, so don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm not angry over people that that are having those outfits or or not having an identity. I just think that it, it it's it's part of the process that they're going through. Obviously, with what they're doing is substituting their own identity with something else. But also, as time goes on, I find I don't have time and and enough emotional energy to be mad over things like that. What I realized is that my thoughts, they take control over my my body and my psyche. It's almost like when I have these negative thoughts or positive thoughts, whenever the thought bubble comes up, it forms into its own like sentient, sentient being and it has its own consciousness. It has its own body and mind and it's there in the ether. And Whenever you think about those things, you're feeding into that thought form. And that thought form needs your energy. It needs you to think about it to feed upon itself. So it's kind of like this vampirical situation. So that's the way I look at these negative thoughts these days is that whenever I have a negative thought or I'm hating on somebody for doing something, then that thought form is literally turning into a monster above my head and wants to suck the blood out of me. Mm-hmm. So the only way to not have those monsters kill me at the end is to not feed it, is to not give those attention to it. Exactly. I have to acknowledge that the monster is there, but as long as I don't keep feeding the monster, I'm safe. So whenever these yeah. thought bubbles pop up, negativity for whatever it is, doesn't matter if it's inauthenticity or Instagram or or calves losing, doesn't matter what it is. And listen to how meaningless and small the things that you know. What I mean, that's the funny <laughs> thing about all of this: Instagram uh, the or calves. the calves. Well, no, this is the calves are important, man. The calves are and important. I'm not minimizing but this, this is this. I'm not this, minimizing this what means the, something to you. I'm just yeah. saying that in life, man. The, things yeah. that that somehow snare us are so insignificant you know right well of course yeah there's... it's like uh <laughs> I, I it's for me um i th- this is big for me because i grew up i had a very rough kind of upbringing i was i was always like a punk kid angry kind of kid but i i definitely use comedy to like make fun of people and get laughs and stuff and so there's always I always have this kind of attack mode by default and quick snap to anger, right? So it's been it's been a journey, a very long journey and a lot of work on, on my end to do it. And now when I do it like you know, when I'm in like I love I love this uh, this essay by David Foster Wallace uh, called This Is Water. And I don't know, you're guys familiar with it at all? It's like it just it, it really I feel like it articulates it in a way that I feel like I, I probably could never, I never could. And, but it's really identifies this idea of just being operating from a place of compassion and empathy and like how difficult it is to just be here now, you know, be you know, like, as, as Ramdas says, you know, be here now, like to just accept everything that's, that's happening 
and to just live in that moment of all the frustrating little things that are going on because i think i think it might be a little maybe impossible or difficult to 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 be opposite of that perspective to completely detach yourself from the game to detach yourself from all the illusions what fun is that you know to accept people for the illusions and the delusions they they have not to ridicule not to get angry but to to come with love and compassion and empathy and and uh, and it's 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 not easy. It's not easy because we're not taught this. You know, we're not we're not really taught this. We're not we're not given this this clue into our education. You know, at least in public schools, kids children are not educated into learning how to use their minds, how to operate this machinery, this tool. You know, like I was honestly, I was kind of pissed when I when I woke up and I was like, "Fuck, we're not we got the times wrong because." I'm not a morning person and like I need to like my brain I'm not like a I'm not a smart person either like I'm I try hard I have to mentally prepare like I'm using I'm going to use this meat you know this 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 piece of meat in my skull and I I want to make sure that it's toned up it's stretched it's ready to go I I want to make sure that I did my meditation that I got in the right flow state mind zone maybe smoke a little weed have a little coffee you know do some exercises but it's like I just started learning about how to use my mind later in life. Most people don't learn how to use their minds. And this is water. You know, this is we're fish in water. And, and, and this, is the, the, this is the environment in which we live in. And, um, you know, some of us have jumped out of the water and seen the other side. But we can't, you can't scream at the other fish for not knowing what, you know, what, what that is, I think, you know. Yeah, it's just a process of, I mean, in my opinion, you know, uh, continual deepening of letting it be and acceptance of your own existential experience in some ways, you know, and not getting invested in the stories and impressions of everyone else in life that you come across or in, in even your own in a lot of regards. And the more that I... Um, yeah, I think that's really the best word to describe it. It's a deepening of those things where the more that I am present and the more, you know, compassion I have and the more that Ed, you described it really well, man, like with the, the monster bubble over your head. That's you know, one of the things I try and um, share with people is like our thoughts have momentum. And whenever that angry thought or whatever it is, that negative thought is arising, the hateful thought it starts getting momentum and you described it perfectly. You start feeding it, you feed it, you feed it, you feed it. And to break that momentum is how to get out of it. And, you know, to, to me, like, uh, I think a great way to do that is to think about someone that you really, like who is in your life that gives you the opposite feeling of that, you know, think about that person and begin to just break that momentum and get into a different head state, a whole different flow of, of, uh, um, of thinking. But anyway, um, just, I, I, in a weird, like I had a lot of people in my life die whenever I was pretty, you know, as I was growing up. Um, friends from drug overdoses whenever I was in my teens. And then, you know, my father died whenever I was 20. And um, I think that that had some, maybe some impact on it. But I do think about death a lot. And not in a morbid sense, but in the sense of just reality. I think about the fact that whenever I look at people just as I'm walking through the grocery store or something, you know, it'll move through my mind that it's weird that these people, <laughs> I hope this makes sense, but like, 
if you see an old, like someone who's like 90 or something, and they're just sitting there on the porch as you drive by, you think, is that person just waiting to die? <laughs> like they're literally just sitting there. They're not, they, maybe they're not doing a lot. They're just hanging out. And, and then I think about, well, how is that different than any of us? Like, what are we doing? Like, are we are we gonna pass through these? Like, what what things are we gonna get involved? We're podcasting, with? bro. What are we <laughs> What are we doing right now? Yeah, but why? Like, what, but in, what is in happening? a larger yeah. in, a, in a larger sense of all people that have ever lived and passed through, you know, Earth and so forth, and just the the illusion that our motions in this life have some uh, what ha, have an impact that's cosmic in some way outside of the philosophical. Like, what are we really doing? You know, we're all just having a couple of meals a day, doing whatever interests us and moving on. So we're all really just hanging out, waiting to die in a lot of ways. We're just taking the time that we have. We're just like these self-reflective, self-involved ego echo chambers. And that everyone that you see, I look at people sometimes in public strangers, and I think it's weird that that person is as equally sentimental about their own story and themselves as that person and as that person and as I am. We're all thinking like, oh, it really matters that I do this and I get this and this and this. And we all, we all walk around feeling that, you know? Um, so <laughs> thinking of, of things like that uh, pretty regularly, it, it brings me back to like compassion because I think about it, it's true. Like for all of us, for all of our positive qualities, all of our negative qualities, all of our successes and failures, we're really just these vibrational, like happenstances of consciousness trapped in this, these bodies. And we're just on this terrestrial planet in the middle of infinity, hanging out until our little speck of time is up. You know, humans have yeah. been around for 300,000 years and we get maybe, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80, if we're lucky. And so we're just sort of like like that old guy on the porch, but he's not under the, the illusion that he's going to die because he's closer to it and he's thinking about it. <laughs> but, people, but other people in the world, we're busying ourselves with, with tasks so that we can put off the idea that our existence is, uh, that we're all staring to the face of oblivion. Now, as bleak as that might sound, it's actually quite beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Because poetic. Yeah. The, the 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 meaning, you know, Ed, like I was saying, man, with Instagram, the calves, and I and I'm with you too. Like, there's little things like that that I, you know, like I like tennis. I was watching the French Open. I was really hoping that Nadal won. You know, and it's like little things like that. It's like everything in our lives. You know, we 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 allow ourselves to get lost in and get away from the fact that like what really matters and as I get older, I'm only 35, but as I get older, I just get attracted and I feel more and more that the things that are really meaningful are acceptance of oneself and and of of everyone else, Um, a focus on compassion and spending time with people who you really care about, you know, and, and making that time that you do spend with people matter, being present, you know, being aware. Because as I was saying, like you think about 
if your mother was on her deathbed, you know, and she was about to die and you had just a few moments to talk to her, think about the, uh, how much it would mean to you. The calves, man. And now, <laughs> and, and now think about, yeah, the calves, right. Think about how much that would matter to you. But now think about everyone in your life that you care about, all your friends, all your family. We're all on our deathbeds, my friends. Well, here's you know. the thing. It's really interesting that you, you mentioned um, sports and also death. Um, because recently, no, I, I'll, this all links together, I promise. Um, I, I feel like sports, it's an outlet for me to release those animal instincts and to take life seriously. That's when I have those reptilian responses to either LeBron James makes the basket or not. And in life, my uncle has been going through really tough times in the hospital. I've been pretty much in and out of hospital every single day for about the, the previous three, four weeks. And oh, man, I'm sorry to hear that. No, it's fine. But he was actually going to die like two weeks ago. The doctor told us, hey, he's not going to make it. So prepare the the uh you know the 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 funeral and all those things so we thought he was gonna die and right before that i smoked dmt with my friend and i witnessed this incredible imagery and i realized that life is a fractal in itself and there's no death there's no birth and we are all in this loop and there there's there's no no such thing as dying and people when people physically die the energy transfers to someplace else and it carries over and comes back. So I carried that philosophy in me when I was looking at my uncle who was dying and I thought, Hey, he's just going to get a good DMT release and he's going to go into the ether and it's going to be peaceful. It's not going to be violent. It's going to be, it's not going to be awesome, you know, because it is death and there is emotions attached but it's not going to be as horrible as we, our culture, make it to be. And turns out he made it and he didn't die. He's still in the hospital. But surrounded him is a bunch of other sick people that are going through the process of dying. I mean, I go in out inside the hospital every day in the same room. There's eight beds. And every week somebody dies. <laughs> somebody leaves the room either they die or they get better and they they get discharged but i've seen some people die and i don't look at it as a sports life or death win or lose kind of a way ironically i look at it as a transfer of energy as a next step in the life of the universe as a recycle and that's when I can look at things in a broader perspective and realize that we're just little ant beings on this floating rock in infinite space. And mm -hmm. whenever we die, it's not really that big of a deal. It's just a transfer of energy. It's just we're going through a process. This is a process. We're in a system. There's no goal in life. Everybody wants to look look for goals and what are my my purpose here on this planet? There is none. It's a process. It's a system. And we're part of the system. Mm -hmm. We're part of that, that, that grand process. And until we realize it, we'll be stuck. We'll be suffering. And this experience has taught me a lot. And I don't think it's a coincidence that 
I had DMT before I saw my uncle because that really taught me a lot and it gave me a lot of strength to my family members that were really sad and worried and I was there for them to be the rock they can lean on because they're really lost like most people if your family member is dying you're going to be extremely frustrated and sad and lost and your your your, your carpet is going to be you know pulled under you but I had this innate confidence in myself that everything was going to be okay no matter what happens yeah. if you accept the worst case scenario which is death for everybody then yeah. everything is going to be fine and I think it, you, you know, DMT. You provided them with that energy, you know. That's like, that's a that's like, in a way, like you're 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 of great service, you know, to everybody in your family and to everyone around you because you're you're holding space, you know, for for them for that experience. And I think that you're providing them with that calming energy that comes along with the knowing that we are in, we play finite games and and we're in an infinite game. And it's like you know, there's there's a calming sense of vibration that you get when you're in the presence of someone with that knowing I believe and uh, you know to, to hold that space for your family in the in those moments is all you can do you know well if there's one yeah, thing that I, psychedelics I, can bring back with you is that innate sense of confidence not to post bullshit yeah. on Instagram or memes or quotes or anything like that those are fun but if you want to be of service to the world you should carry that confidence with you everywhere you go it doesn't matter where you are if your uncle's deathbed or at the airport with the annoying guy you could have that sense of energy with you 24 7 if you keep practicing i'm sorry Corey. go ahead no no i, I that's that's nicely said yeah it's i i frame that as acceptance you know whenever i was talking about acceptance use the word confidence um but yeah you know that's it is a, a important thing to understand, you know, the macro view of human experience and how, you know, the personality through death, uh, I would say that, you know, the personality does not carry on. But, you know, I'd like to think that it is a perpetual churning flow of life force. Um, and that does bring great consolation, you know, in times of death. And also makes one realize, at least me, is that people die and we're not going to be ever here forever and everything will be okay when we die. But in the meantime, love the fuck out of the personalities of the people that are in your life. Well, I think we should celebrate it, right? Because we all have our individual personalities and like mm -hmm. you are very different than Mike and Mike is very different from, from me. And we should celebrate these personalities and... and and even have fun with each other you know it's every, sometimes we take life so seriously that we forget to have fun that's one of the things that death has taught me watching people die is that we don't have fun enough in this universe you know mm -hmm. people are so serious so stuck in their patterns and everything is life or death but when you actually encounter death and that's one of the things that i was experiencing in my dmt trip i thought i was going through the, the death portal and when I realized that I felt my body clench up and I just told myself let go if this is death and so be it it's fucking beautiful here <laughs> so just let it be and once you accept that <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know it's it's, Sometimes, it's really fun man <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, it's like sometimes you're in those spaces, and this could be one of the dangers, I think, of of psychedelics or or any kind of practice that you get uh, heavily involved in, where you're like, oh my god, it's so much better here. Oh, now I have to go back to being this stinking big <laughs> giant like pig-like body with you know smelly pink skin and hair shooting out all over. And like, what is this farting sack of meat? You know, it's like, oh man, like I don't want to go back to that, but. Then you're in it, and it's like you know, just you, you, you're here. This is what it is. You know, this is is what it is. Is uh, is is a way that uh, is is how I've come to uh, to try and learn how to accept more things. You know, it's just there's there there's an imagination of what could be or what what you want something to be or something that you've experienced that you try and duplicate or replicate. And this is going back to what Corey was talking about before, you know, about the the duplicating the copy of the copy. Yeah. That's as soon as you start going down that, that path, it just, it just becomes so inauthentic and to live more authentic is to just be in what is. Yeah. And accountability I think is huge too for the self, you know, like taking responsibility whenever you do, you know, something stupid or you say something, you know, hurtful or, or you just, you know, even with your own thoughts, you know, I, I try and track that behavioral aspect of my decision-making mind. You know, fortunately, I, I'm not a, you know, I, I don't lie to people at all and I'm not a, you know, ma- manipulative you know, n- person whatsoever. But, um, you know, in, in my, you know, previous years, um, you know, having those negative, some of those negative personality traits, like we all do. Um, at some point, I started like taking responsibility whenever I did those things or like had those negative expressions, and um, it's really, really helpful for growth is to like recognize whenever you do something shitty and actually hold yourself accountable for it. You know, and uh, that's a great way to grow. And I and now like I get or even. With, I'm like that with my thoughts. Whenever a thought arises of like, oh, there's a couple of pathways so that I could go in this situation, like right there, taking responsibility and accountability and uh, for that thought and um, moving forward and the way that serves, you know, how I uh, want to interact with the world, you know, which is just with truth and presence and like and honesty and love and the best way to reduce the suffering of people that interact with and not in some, some like, um, evangelical type of way, but just like being a nice positive force in the world. Like at some point I thought it is maybe five years ago or something. I was thinking like, if I can, I can recognize and conceptualize this, um, type of being in the world. And if I can recognize and conceptualize, I can move towards that by self-reflectiveness. You know, and um, it allowed me to continue to just refine and refine and refine myself, you know, the, the, my own self-reflectiveness until um, I got to a place of self-awareness where I was able to realize that that goal of, of being that person I wanted to be, that I knew I, I could be if I, if I dedicated myself to it enough. It's an undoing of the self and just this shattering of you know of a lot of your ideas and your ego and, and being wi- willingness to give yourself over to um 
to life and to like love in some ways. It's really weird. It's maybe also Mike, like you're talking about, man. Like whenever I was in you know, a teenager and like I was into death metal, like and uh, gang, you know, like super hardcore, like cannibal gangster rap and shit like that. And <laughs> I was a total Nietzschean and like just couldn't have been more despondent. And I was an intellectual, like super aggressive, like intellectually. And just used it as a form to like dress down everyone I talked to to like chop them down so that I, you know, of course, it's a defense mechanism. You make someone feel less intelligent or like that they can't get around you in an argument and you feel safe because you're in a higher and higher hierarchy, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, and maybe it's some of that, maybe it's just human nature, but like I found really in my like meditation workshops, the, the more that. If we go to even say the word love sometimes or trying to express some thought or some idea that it has taps into that feeling. Um, for me, even now, sometimes I feel a bit of, sometimes there's a bit of hesitancy. It's because it's this vulnerability. It's almost like an eye, you know, like um, if there's a spike right next to your eye, like you slowly open your eye and see how close the spike is. A little bit of hesitancy. And it might slam shut again. You know, there's this feeling like going to express those deeper, more vulnerable and compassionate thoughts. And I, you know, especially if I'm standing in front of a room of 100 people talking about consciousness and mindfulness and stuff, and they're all looking at you sitting in lotus posture. It's like the more I allowed myself to say those things and the more open I was to expressing compassion the more I saw people respond and the more value and how much it meant to people and the more like people really got out of it. And that was a great teaching for me to like recognize like as uncomfortable as it might be sometimes. Um, I think that's actually a good thing because it shows that whenever you do go in life to like offer that compassion, that it's real compassion. It's because if it was not even a question of just like, oh, I'm just this open, I'm always saying all these things to everyone. Well, I don't know. Maybe a, a sense of hesitancy is is a, a sign of that you're really offering something deep within yourself as opposed to having it be something that's comfortable and uh, you're really allowing that, that place to be touched. Um, but I found this the more and more for me that I've been able to be open and more and more open and more comfortable that uh, that the more it's really um, opened up a whole new deep layer of mindfulness and being able to convey that to other people and just to offer that that piece. I, I think like, like quiet, I've been trying to come up with like a way to say it, like quiet compassion, silent compassion. I think you don't need to say much, you know, with people. I think it's a feeling. Like Ed, you're talking about the the pantheon of these, you know, the fractal resonance of these these monuments that are built. Like you get a feeling when you walk in there. You get a feeling when you walk in the Vatican. I think that the love, awareness, and presence and the compassion, like peace, can be a feeling. I, I think that it's almost like you can, if you move towards and like allow that to open up in yourself, you can just kind of become like a, a peaceful little flashlight that then have to say shit you know you're just offering that feeling 
I'm I'm getting a feeling right now. Like I'm I, I <laughs> through this conversation, I've I've been I've been feeling like turned on to a a very present, very now frequency where I think we're all open to go down any road that comes up. And I think this is a really great thing that if more people can access these spaces and interact in this way, that we'll be able to understand each other a little bit more, understand our humanity, understand how similar we are. And, you know, really, I think that creates a a society that has less suffering and, and it's more enjoyable. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm having a good time talking with you guys right now. And I feel like that being what you just said, Corey, is very true. And I've I've experienced, you know, I made some decisions in my in my podcast to be open up and go very and be very vulnerable and share things that maybe normally I, I would really not share. And it's amazing, you know, the, to hear the response from things like that. You know, the and it's 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 greater than any currency, I think, as far as I'm concerned, that that feeling that I know that I connected with another individual who might have been going through something that was tough and that we kind of, you know, we're getting through this thing together. We're getting through this experience together and we're decreasing the the amount of worry and anxiety and fear. And we're able to sit back inside of ourselves and just be here with each other and, and go through this experience together. And so I think it's it's been a, a big learning lesson. I think that um, in a way it's almost very helpful, you know, I mean, uh, to, to have gone through the experience like you were saying that you gone through that you went through and I went through a similar one as well, feeling superior you know, being almost a bully in a sense. And I know I probably was a little bit more in, in my life, but going through all these phases, I know, you know, that, that element of, of the human. I've, I've lived that life. I've been that person. Um, and so, you know, we're all building these like little statues of ourselves. And uh, I think the, the right way, it's like we're on a beach and we're like building like sandcastle statues or whatever of ourselves. And, you know, it's kind of like, hey, pass me that bucket over there. And like, hey, like, help me with this shovel. So helping each other, collaborating with each other rather than being like, fuck this guy. I'm going to I'm going to take all the sand and I'm going to build the highest fucking monument over here. I'm going right. to build a huge statue. I have a huge dick. You know, is this but instead it's like working <laughs> with each other, understanding and coming together with each other it's been an amazing process for me and it's been an amazing experience talking with you you two guys um and uh you know talk, just talking about how things you know about death i mean i really do think that it's such a major major contributor to a lot of the things that we do and a lot of the things that we fear and if we could just open up and and learn that uh a little bit more about that you know i just i really wish that our that, that's if I have any wishes, it would be that we that we open up to death more, that we that we live in a more ex, a society that's more comfortable with accepting that part of our inevitable nature, that you know we're uh, as like Ernest Becker loves to say, and you know I'm throwing out a lot of quotes on here, but this is you know I just love this this idea of like where where these you know things that are able to contemplate the infinite and have all these ideas, yet we're we're in these house in these bodies that are food for worms and we're all going to the same place. And, you know, but, uh, I, I really, that's, that's, that's something that I think needs to be introduced more. And I think that's probably why I like psychedelics so much is because it's a kind of a quick hit to that realization or it could be, you know, at least it, it did that for me. It really brought me face to face with the, 
the non-idea of death, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's uh, it, even the preceding dying, like, man, I find people just have a hard time being. You know, the acceptance of your own presence causes so much of the symptoms that we see of, you know, that we've been talking about this whole time. It's hard to accept that you exist. It's fucking weird, man. And it's, I think that, like, for us, you know, the three of us people who are, like, actively interested in these topics and think about them and have podcasts about them, think about people who, for whom these thoughts are not even a peripheral but who have never looked at any of these ideas or read any of these books or had these things in mind as they go through life. Um, man, just to, well, firstly, if they even have some awareness about the fact that they exist, that's step one. And then trying to deal with it is, you know, it's harrowing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Corey, if you have to go anytime, just let us know. We don't want to keep you too long. Yeah, yeah, I do. I'm ready, ready, ready to wrap it up soon. Okay. Corey's gonna die now. All right, Corey. Any any final words? Uh, me and Mike are gonna continue for a little bit longer. Um, cool. Yeah. Uh, do you have any final words for us? Words of wisdom. <laughs> um, no, just um, you're gonna die, and uh, <laughs> love everybody in the meantime. <laughs> awesome. You. All that fear that you have about your own death, um, turn that into love and, uh, uh, you know, tr- treat the other people to that, the experience before you die with that love. Boom. That's it. That's what I can say. Sounds good, Corey. <laughs> but thank you. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Um, I really appreciate you having me on as a guest. And I look forward to you guys launching this podcast. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you, guys. And I hope the rest of the chat goes well and much love thank you thanks Corey later peace cool alright I think you really like nailed it in the beginning of the conversation where you were like me and Mike have a tendency to go off the rails and I think you can balance <laughs> us out I think he, I think you really n- hit the nail on the head because otherwise yeah I, he definitely he definitely added a, ba- a balancing uh, element in there it was that was that was great i really enjoyed kind of uh, where we were going well that's why the hats back on because it's about to go off the rails and you're about to go troll style there, there's yeah. there's there's definitely two types of conversations that i enjoy and one type is the type with Corey where it's almost like a psychedelic experience you know you're you're listening yes, to him yes. and you're right. thinking about all these things. Did you guys get that? Did the listeners get that? Yeah. I wonder if the listeners got that. So that's what I got from it as well. It's like he's blowing your mind and you don't even know what to say. And you're just taking it all. You're taking notes mentally. And there's another type of conversation that I like, which is really conversational, which is the ones that usually me and you have because it's a weird dynamic between me and you because usually we interview guests, guests like Corey Allen right or authors or shamans or whatever the case may be and you don't really talk too much because they have the knowledge they have the wisdom you're just there to invoke those wisdom out of them i talk 
I, I fucking talk. Right. I'm, no, I talk I'm, too, but it's it's a different relationship. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like no, you, I get it. Yeah, you can yeah, tell yeah. like their uh, their level of wisdom is above yours. So it's like you're, you're listening like a student. You're taking notes, and it's a different relationship. But with me and you, yeah, it's I like I have to disagree a little bit. Actually, I have to disagree with you a okay. little bit. <laughs> I, I don't I don't necessarily see it that way. Like I for me. I always come at every conversation as uh, an equal, like I'm I'm having a conversation with another human being, and you know I, sometimes I can tell that depending upon which who the guest is that they they're they are projecting a, a thought of like all right all right dude like let me get my shtick off and like you know what I mean. But I'm. This is my show, and I'm gonna <laughs> jump in, and I'm gonna fucking talk because I have a, a big mouth, and I have thoughts that I can't contain, and they just explode out of my mouth, and well, I just go, well, and here, I just and accept me for who I am, baby. Well, here's the thing, like you, I don't know if I should, if I should say this on air because this is actually on air. what I do. I give them the illusion of control, but the thing is, during conversation. If you're we the one, if if you're the one that's not talking, you're in control of the situation. You're in control of the conversation because they're they're talking, they're talking, but you're the ones that are directing their conversation to a certain angle, so to speak. So yeah. it's like you give them a false reality of control. Meanwhile, you're steering the ship, baby. So I I know what you mean. <laughs> like this is your podcast. We're all equals, but you also know what I mean when I say, you kind know, kind of, like, I do, yeah. kind of, yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying, and I, I think that, um, for me, I, I, I approach every situation differently. Yeah, I don't have, I don't have a set way of approaching any situation. Sometimes I prepare, sometimes I don't. Some, you know, what I mean, I just, I, I come at things with a, a unique approach every single time because I believe that everyone deserves that everybody is unique everybody's different and i think that i also try and i i I don't know if i necessarily try and direct conversations but i definitely think of things in my head when someone's talking and i go okay i want to touch on that i want to make a point about that and i kind of just go that way i just kind of freestyle almost or improv and 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 just try and keep it Take it wherever it goes. You know what I mean. And I, yeah. I think, uh, you know, I think, I think that that's sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't work out. Sometimes, sometimes I start talking about something and I go, "Fuck, I'm, I'm done. I'm toast. I don't know what the fuck. I don't know where I'm going with this." <laughs> and I have to, I have to bring it back. You know what I mean. I have to like try and hang on and bring something back. But I think that's just how. What was your most difficult I just, guest? I don't want. Don't name any names, but talk about the gist of what happened. No, I never had a difficult guest. I, I I never had a difficult guest. I mean, I think that, uh, or even uh, sometimes from, from the previous podcast, you know, a political show and everything. Oh right. Well, you know, I mean, sometimes you have certain expectations of how something is going to be, and I think like coming from a comedian mind, from a comic mind, there's always like trying out bits right you know that's always like kind of a thing for me like you just put your hat like mm-hmm. me starting the podcast with this hat on was like a bit that i wanted to do to like <laughs> do a little trump i wanted to do a little trump impression i wanted to start it off light make everybody laugh you know what i mean but it's like sometimes 
sometimes people aren't in that space that you're that you're wanting them to be in you know so you can't force it you just have to go along with it so i don't think any guest has been difficult just just different you know what i mean everybody we were talking about this before i think we started recording we were talking about how um you were saying something about like the way that people or we were talking about the way that people communicate and science the psychedelic speakers the researchers you know it's like these guys they're they're involved in reading all day and researching their 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 cognition their their equipment is functioning on a different level so their transmitter is is projecting that out in a different way you know the way that i talk is not the way that you know uh stanislav grof talks you know he talks in a different way and that's he he's more knowledgeable about a lot of things than i am but somebody could potentially interpret that as being boring or turning off and you know i complimented Corey with his with his course release into now because it's so good because i relate to it it resonates with me Corey's a dude he's a regular dude and he's got this meditation course i've tried meditation courses from people that were just they just seemed superior seemed a little too spiritual a little too out there hippy dippy whatever and it just didn't work for me but because there's somebody who's like me i'm engaged i'm interacted so I think that there's just the this is the variety of life is the different styles that people have the different ways about them and and I think that it's our job to adapt to to that in a way and and like you said spice it up you got to spice it up yeah I mean it's our job as the host of the show is to not guide the conversation in a certain way but to make things more interesting than they appear to be or not even that, just more interesting than it's coming out of their mouth in that fashion because most of the time we have a lot of knowledgeable people, Yoda-like people on the show, and maybe they don't have the best tones of speaking or they don't know how to execute well. So it's our job to kind of guide the conversation to a way that's more entertained entertaining than to our audience because ultimately it's about entertainment right for the podcast doesn't matter how good the wisdom is if it's not entertaining enough people will shut off and not listen to it so at the end of the day it's about entertainment and then it's about knowledge and wisdom and information and all that good stuff it's about aliens it's about aliens on the moon it's (laughs) about aliens on the moon ed ed lou i know you believe in me i have the documents i broke into bohemian grove (laughs) trust me i know all i know about this megan kelly interview sunday watch me alex jones hey i actually want to talk to you about aliens uh this is the thing that i've been really fascinated lately um, during my DMT trip, I saw aliens, and I was on the operating table. If you guys haven't heard that episode, I actually describe it pretty well um, on episode fifty-seven. I, I, uh, I yeah, so for I those people that never listen, it was on episode fifty-seven on psychedelic milk. Check it out. I describe my DMT experience before, after, the whole nine yards, and I encountered aliens. So I didn't think too much of it because I'm not interested in aliens. But I've been listening to a lot of podcasts where they talk about alien encounters and missing people and things like that. And the similarities are uncanny. I mean, it's pretty much exactly the same. The MO is the same. They see a white light. The aliens come. 
they look around the same they look like grays of course i didn't see my aliens i saw hands but the, the overall description of the experience is very similar and when people are describing their alien experiences most of the time they're by themselves but sometimes they'll have witnesses so it might be a group of people like if me and you're in a room we're seeing the same thing so it's not a individual chemical reaction in the brain where i'm tripping balls and you're next to me not doing anything it's the whole room experiencing these things unless the whole room was lying then they're actually seeing aliens and we have this really interesting phenomenon where you take dmt and there are i'm not the only one that experienced aliens under dmt there are numerous cases i heard a bunch of people online in real life that also had the same type of encounter even my pat my friend patrick that was there he saw aliens the week before that so how do you explain this because this is something that's really crazy people that are taking dmt see aliens okay it makes sense you're hallucinating but people that are not taking dmt they're also seeing aliens okay if it, if it's on an individual level you could chalk it up to okay maybe they're having some kind of dmt dump that could be possible but if you have a whole room of people three or four people having the same experience i don't think is as coincidental that as a group dmt dump right so it's like what is really going on are we t actually tapping into another dimension when we're tripping on dmt or ayahuasca or whatever what is happening to us do you have an answer to that i mean what do you think <laughs> i don't know that's what i'm asking you have no idea you of course you have to have some inclination i have no clue but what do you think it is I, I mean you just don't want to say it you think it sounds too silly to say no it, i mean you? i already blew my my i sound too silly card on on here i mean i talk about instagram cavaliers everything uh, that sounded stupid so it's like what do i got to lose but i think i think maybe this maybe when we're smoking dmt we're actually suppressing our brain into because our brains are kind of like filters right if we shut off portions of our brain we actually see more things we experience more things things become more alive in hd when we take mushrooms or lsd a part of our brain actually shuts off and i think our brain is uh, kind of like a filter and when dmt comes in our brain is the filter mode on our brain is getting shut off and we're seeing a lot of different things that normally are filtered to us and when the actual aliens land and have these abduction experiences and things like that i believe that they're maybe from a multiverse or a a a, a reality that's different from ours but very close and they're able to bend space and time and hop in and out of our existence and they're dragging us into their existence which is the unfiltered world i don't know if that makes any sense yeah yeah no that makes sense no it's cool i mean it's <laughs> it's, it's, it's 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 it makes sense it's cool to think about i mean i i love the i love not knowing you know what I mean? I love yeah. I love like the mystery. I love like wondering. And I think that I think everything can be true when nothing is known. You know, it's it's like everything can exist as a, a certain kind of truth of reality when when 
when you don't know because in that not knowing is knowing and it sounds a little crazy i guess to say it like sounds that or maybe yeah i i guess but i'm not trying to be postmodernist or anything like that i'm just trying to identify it in the best way that i know how and the best way that i know how is that I don't think that we'll ever really get an answer. Like, I don't think, well, someone will say something like whatever I say my opinion is, there's no way of us knowing what that is. You know, it's, and it, there's no way of, of us knowing like, oh, well that, that's, that sounds close. To, oh yeah. Yeah. The ripping of the multiverse, uh, the tearing of the matrix, alien beings and entities flying in from other dimensions and other hyper, you know, other realities and space and everything existing in this infinite web of, of, you know, uh, whatever it's, it's just like nobody knows there's no tools that we have to find out or measure it or anything. So I think that, um, these experiences happen and they are real and not real at the same time. I think that's a re I think that that's a really hard thing for a lot of people to understand and it's confusing. And, you know, even me saying it now, I'm just like, how sure am I of that? You know, just, just, just being sure of that is dangerous. But isn't our reality also real and not real because our memories, our past, they're nothing but a thought in our minds. And whatever happened yeah. 10 minutes ago, like we had a conversation with Corey Allen, it's in the past now. It's faded. It's right. away. It's gone. And it's kind of real. It's definitely real, but it's also not real There's anymore. There's the death. Right. right. Like I was joking, but I was like, there was, you know, this podcast, we, we gave birth to this podcast. It was an experience. It was alive. And, and then there was a death. And, you know, when we're finished talking, there'll be another death. And then, but we're not, we're just, we're transferring. Like you said before, it's a, system. It's a transfer of, yeah, it's a system. It's a process. It's a flow. It's, and it's, 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 it's not linear. It's not linear. Yeah, it's, it's definitely not. It's, it's, it's a, it's a crazy synergistic feeling and effect to have happen. But you can get like what I was trying to make before the point I was trying to make was that you can get lost in that knowing like if you, you can go, it's possible to go too far, I think. And that's what makes it not fun. Like I probably won't smoke DMT anymore because I think I went too far. Like I think I, I had an experience where I felt as if, I ruined the fun. I I broke the game. I knew too much and I didn't and it was like it almost ruined life for me. Like I came back to reality and I was like well, um, you know, this is all just, you know, this is hilarious. This is ridiculous. This is a, this, you know, so the more that you go into giving into the 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 truth of the illusion the more you create an illusion of, of, of your own. And that illusion is knowing the, the truth of the illusion. You know, I mean, that's, it's, you, it's possible to go too far. It's possible to know too much. It makes things lose their luster and lose their fun. So, you know, getting back to these alien experiences and stuff, cause I've experienced them as well. I think that there's, there's a meaning in it. There's, it means something. It, it, it is something but it only is what it is during the time that you've experienced it. And the, and the connection is real, 
the the people that I I experienced I didn't have an alien abduction experience but me and my friends when we were 13 years old saw a UFO in the sky was it and real it darted yes okay. yeah it was 100 percent so it was it was I was looking up at the sky it was an unidentified flying object that's as real as it could have gotten do I know it was aliens no but it was you know I'm not Giorgio Tsukios you know Tsukos. just everything is yeah oh. Well, cl- clearly, these paintings suggest that there was clearly it was aliens. You know, they're like, could it be? That it, could it be? Ancient man was drawing on a cave. But what if these drawings weren't of gods, but instead of aliens? Ancient astronaut theorist, Giorgio Kasukio. <laughs> yeah, I, it, clearly the painting. So it, we, but we don't know. Like, it could, it could have been. What if they are gods? What if they are spirit beings? What if they are us? What if we evolve into that and we have evolved into that and we inhabited this earth and then we wiped ourselves out? What if what if that happened? What there's so many possibilities. There's what if it was just what if it just came from the human mind? You know what I mean? But if even if it comes from the human mind, it is real. Why do we have why is why are gray aliens? Why do they look the way they do? Where do they? Where does that look come from? Did we invent that? Where did we get the idea from? You know, so it all is real, and you know, um, I think, I think that that's what that's the answer to your question. It's it. Yes, it's real. Yeah. So to get back to the whole sports thing and death and Warriors. and taking it really seriously, because that's my outlet, right? Sports. I know it's fake. It's not real battle. It's simulated battle, but it's not like a real hand-to-hand combat. But it activates that reptilian part of my brain where it goes back to the tribal days where we fight with our weapons for territory and the Cavaliers are a manifestation of that for Cleveland and the people that are supporting that team to fight other territory, to own other territory and battle other men so i know it's not a life or death situation even though basketball is real unlike the wwe or whatever i know that is still a sports competition and i shouldn't take it so seriously but i do anyways because it is my outlet with you that thing seems to be politics right and with politics it's not as fictitious as sports meaning that it does have real consequences and i find that the more somebody dives into politics the harder life gets the harder you can control your emotions and things like that um it's easy to be sucked in into the world of democrat republican libertarian and you're fighting for all these things and you have party lines and you have a team that root for and things like that so is it frustrating for you to be involved in a way to that world? No, I detach myself from all labels, all parties and everything. I loved what Corey said earlier on the podcast about living detached and away from the community. I feel that I'm also detached and away from the psychedelic community. I like being on the fringes. I like being on the outside. I like having a fresh eye. You know, I I, I because I'm un I feel like I'm more un Un, um, uncorruptible to the influences of the conformity of the group 
if I if I'm living on the outside on the fringes, then I'm less susceptible to be influenced by the by groupthink, by any group, by ideology. And so I really enjoy being detached from community. And I, I like to comment as a free human being on on everything that I see that's happening in life. And I just look at everybody like we're all equals, we're all human beings, we're all we're all smart, we're all dumb, we all love, we're all we all do the same thing and I don't see these people that we have chosen to believe that are leading us that we think that they know better than us. They don't. They they're just fallible humans like we are and um they're playing a game. And I think that by me, I, I don't really necessarily like politics. I like the, I like, what do I like? I like, it's, 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 it's the, the, the game of control and domination. Do you like the drama of it? Do it's you me, like the game of Thrones aspect of it? I, 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 I like pointing out how ridiculous it is and how, and how silly it is and how like that, but but the game that I'm playing, I, I think, sometimes leads me to be a little paranoid and be a little worried because some of the things I say, some of the things I write about are extremely aggressive towards uh, towards poking the, the bear. You know? Well, it's kind of like my Instagram it's, account, it's, right? Right, right. <laughs> I, but, okay, right, exactly. So the way that you're playing at that sort of game and the way that the Cavs are playing their sort of game, the men men playing against men in, in, in sports combat, I like playing a, a very dangerous game. You might say one of the most dangerous games that you could possibly play. I mean, that's the way that I look at it. I look at it like if I'm, if I'm, if I'm existing in this life and I get to choose to have a, to put my, to put meaning into this life, why not choose the hero's journey? Why not be Luke Skywalker in Star Wars? Why not take down the Empire? Why not play that game? That's a fun game for me to play. And I know it's a game, but it's fun and it's exciting and it's interesting. And I think that I also, Jordan Peterson, I think, said that there's a, the people who are playing like like I think the same as like somebody like a like a Dick Cheney or like a like a Bush or someone like that. Like I, I it can inhabit that same mental space, like th the same things that they want. I also want too, but I acknowledge that that's what I want. It's just a different way. Like I want that kind of level of power and control, but I have to keep it under. I have to keep fighting the journey of of staying balanced with empathy and compassion and living in the moment and beating the ego down and chipping away and improving myself and going on. And I think that for me, that's the most thrilling and exciting thing that life has to offer. Everything else is boring. By me. the way, I just watched Star Wars for the first time in my life, episode four and five. Pretty good. Pretty good. It's and, amazing. My favorite um, of all time. <laughs> And I have to say that it's easy to become the monster if you stare at the monster long enough. That's one of the traps that I fell into when I was battling these SJWs and spiritualists and people on my Instagram account. I became one of them. I became delusional. Giving in to the hate. I, giving in to the fear. Exactly. Yeah. So exactly what Yoda said, I was like, holy shit, that's me. Because... 
whenever you are battling them, you have to use the same tactics that they're using on you. You have to have the same level of cognitive dissonance that they have in order to operate on that level. And it's very hard to snap out of it and see a different perspective because you're now in that world. You have been dragged into the swamp and you're one of the swamp monsters. Yeah, right. yeah. So it's, yeah. it's incredibly hard. And the only thing I can do is to detach myself from that world. That's one of the reasons why yeah. I don't post many, you know, um, I guess controversial things on Instagram anymore is that I just don't want to deal with it. I don't want to deal with right. all the bullshit and people telling me how I'm wrong and things like that. And that's one of the things, man. It's like Obi-Wan Kenobi said, our truth that we cling on to depends heavily on our point of view. And that's one of the things that I found extremely interesting when it comes to these communities, whether psychedelics, politics, whatever. Every community have their own sense of truth, whether it's religion or politics or you know spirituality if you're a spiritualist or whatever you have to support bernie sanders right you have to support um democrats for the most part and that is their truth and you have to buy into their party line if you don't then they'll call you a nazi so that's their point of view and every truth is subjective there's nothing objective in our world everything is based on our ideologies and our egos and our points of view our experiences in life and that's why i find extremely interesting is when people f form these groups from nothing and proclaim these established ideologies onto them so like the i don't blame politics for having these ideologies because that's the definition of political parties right but for spirituality or psychedelics there's no set rules supposedly but there is now especially for yoga as well you know meditation yoga you're supposed to follow yeah. these these guidelines if you don't then you're a nazi you're a racist you're a sexist and i think that's why i do those things is because I see their absolute truth and I call bullshit. I just call bullshit. And in my DMT trip, I saw these jester and clowns and, and jokers and they had the same oh, yeah. spirit as yep. I did. You know what I mean? I was like, mm -hmm. man, I'm one of them. So I, I feel like we shouldn't take our ideologies so seriously. You know, we should relax yeah. a little bit and take a step back and hey, this is all a game. Whatever you're doing is yeah. a fucking game. Right. So just but, relax. But take it seriously. Like play the game like LeBron. Play the game like Steph Curry. Play the game to its highest level. That's what makes life meaningful. That's what gives life fun and joy. To to be so in the game and to know it's a game. You know, to know that it you know, to to to, to know that like you're playing at at such a high level that you're proud of yourself. Like, you know, the the, the Joker that is like I love the figure of the Joker because without the Joker, there could be no 
Batman. Without Batman, there could be no Joker. It's like you need an opponent worthy of a challenge. You need an opponent that pushes you, that 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 causes you to rise to the occasion and to really be everything that you could possibly be in this incarnation. And that's what gives that's what gives the juice its squeeze. That's what makes it so interesting. That's what makes magical moments happen when you're sitting there and you're, you feel a synergistic synchronicity of events happening and a synesthetic experience happening and it's like holy shit like we are alive now on this planet this is real this is happening and to get involved but not to get lost in and not to get trapped in i think is so so crucial and it's so beautiful it's so amazing it's so fun to to be that and to just to just live in that that sea of 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 just endless opportunity and an, an infinite possibility and it's it's really mind blowing you know and I think that um, I think that there's a tendency for a lot of people to get lost in that because they think that they've they think that they've got it figured out and it feels good to have it figured out it feels good to you want to feel secure and you want to feel safe. You know, but I like I find it so much more enjoyable to be with people. Just take your mask off. You know what I mean? Just be who you are. Let's be like, you know, say what you mean. We we're all Nazis. We're all rapists. We're all sexists. (laughs) We're all murderers. We are. And 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 Peterson made this point. Right. And (laughs) we are. And and Jordan Peterson made this point, which I thought was so right. And he says, I if you know that you're capable of 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 existing in that way, we're all human beings, we're all capable. We all have these thoughts. We all have these experiences, but it's it's how we choose to act on them. It's what we choose. That is our most powerful weapon that is what gives us superpowers our superpowers are our ability to choose and direct our thoughts and mind and 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 to accept and allow and submit that's what's the real like trippy cool power you don't even need psychedelics for like i feel like i'm tripping right now you know like this is just i feel high man like i feel in the zone you know well that's the notion of you having free will of course but let's let's say what do you where do you stand on this free will not free will thing? Because of course I think Jordan Peterson has stated that he thinks that there is free will, and Sam Harris has opposed that idea. So what do you think about that? I I think I'm gonna. It might be boring to just say kind of the same thing that I said before, but I think that there we do and we don't. I I really I I, I can't stress this enough. I really do think that that we can that both things exist as truth in the same space simultaneously and it's impossible for us to acknowledge that 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 makes any sense whatsoever like we have to have this dualistic mindset we have to have this like it's either this or this and I think that it both you know it both is and it both isn't it's it's it really I I, 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 this is the way that I feel based on what I've read, what I've experienced personally. I think that we totally do have free will, but it's like the cells in our body, right? Like the cells in our body, like do cells in our body have free will? Like, like can, 
can like my liver just be like, you know what? I'm taking the day off today. It's like, <laughs> no, like the, my liver is working, but like my liver is an individual organ in my body and the cells that inhabit that are individual cells in the body, but they all collaborate to work together. They, we all conspire to work together in, in, in setting the tone for a certain level of not free will. Like there's a certain there's a certain automatic kind of setting that we have as our species that that gives all of us that's why we're all the same is because we're all we we are all limited to this existence this reality this body this consciousness this experience this moment so in a sense we don't have free will because we are limited to those to those settings to those game settings you know it's like you're we're playing a game like you know, there's certain rules. There are certain rules, and that means that there isn't free will. Mario can't just jump out of the screen and hop into Mortal Kombat. That's just not how it works. You either play Mario, Super Mario, or you're playing Mortal Kombat. It's 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 two different games, and so I think that on that level we don't. But on the level of after accepting the fact that we don't on that level that we do in the terms in the in the in the choices that we make every single day in our lives when we as soon as we wake up in the morning to as soon as we go to bed at night where every single choice is a free choice and we are choosing freely on how we want to experience reality and co-create reality with each other what am i going to put into the world today that is going to help you know that is going to help other people with their to 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 let their free will out more to help collaborate on a level where we elevate free will to a higher level you know to where the setting of not not having free will does that make sense like yeah. am i am i losing you with that or no, I'm okay, just thinking yeah. about my but idea of, of, of what it is because yeah. you've actually inspired me to come to another conclusion not a conclusion but just an idea of this situation because for a long time, I, I was debating to myself whether there's free will or not free will. And it seems to me that our free, free will is pretty much limited, limited because we're so on this right. path and we're so conditioned and on our experiences and childhood. And there's so many factors that go on that dictate our actions and thoughts. But also when we discover magic, and what I mean by magic is discovering the mysteries of the universe, discovering meditation or ayahuasca or psychedelics or just other points of view. It kind of unlocks us into more potential. And in many ways, we're unlocking our free will via those methods, via Buddhism, Hinduism, you know, all these different methods, yoga, breathing. We are activating ourselves and when we're learning those methods we are step by step regaining back our free will because if you look at new york city everybody is reacting to certain things because there's so much stimuli out there you're reacting to your iphone if not to your iphone you're reacting to the people dancing in the subway or the billboards or times square Who created it though or meatpacking district or whatever who created, we created it? it. People. We, we created yeah. it, though. Exactly. Yeah. And so, and so that that like New York is a certain kind of 
level of free will has been allowed in that city. Like there's been a certain kind of there's a certain kind of agreement that everybody has in New York that says we're going to agree to make this place and this consciousness operate at this level of freedom. But I think that a lot of those things were actually created not by free will as well because people are just operating on momentum. And when people do that, I'm Asian. When I graduate college, I have to be a doctor because that's what mom told me to do. Actually, that's not true, but that's a stereotype, right? So I'm just operating on this momentum of 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 culture and, and, and race and and being a Chinese, I have to be a doctor or a lawyer or whatever. And I'm just not even having a, my own identity. That's what we were talking about earlier with Corey. And these are all just reactions. Like, oh, okay, my mom, my dad told me to do this, so I have to react to it. I have to make them happy, so I have to do that. I'm not having the mind of my own. What if I really want to be an artist? What if I want to be a photographer? I can't do that because I'm not even thinking about it. I'm thinking about being a doctor. I'm thinking about scoring whatever on my SAT so I can get into Harvard. So when we unlock ourselves, when we free ourselves from these chains via these methods that we're talking about, I think we're actually regaining the free will. And we're we're Mm -hmm. making art, we're making these billboards, we're making these advertisements, and it's a form of art. And we're living in this city where everything is so reactionary, but we don't have to be that way. We can unlock ourselves to our true potential and regain our free will because... I think for for the past two months, I haven't been meditating. I don't know why. When I go back to Hawaii, I don't meditate. For some reason, yeah. I just don't. And I lost my meditation skills. And I was just reacting and reacting and reacting. And I found myself doing that. And I was like, hey, what am I doing? So I began to sit again and meditate. And I feel like I'm gaining a power back almost. I feel like I'm almost regaining a sense of consciousness that I lost through that month of not meditating. And when I'm meditating now, I feel much better. I feel like I'm more in control of my mind. So I definitely know what you mean by, yes, you are having free will and not free will at the same time because you're always balancing between the both worlds. Of course, I'm still going to have reactions. When I, uh, you know, I was having that, that thought form idea and concept in my head i was like okay only positive thoughts negative thoughts can come but i'm not gonna feed you i'm sorry when i was having that i was in a really good mood i was smiling like this rarely happens to me usually i'm high strung i'm listening to alex jones i'm stressed out and i was really in a good mood and i was listening to good music i was just you know really jolly i go to the supermarket and the cashier just just a rude bitch and ruined my mood. And at that moment, I was totally reacting to it. And I, I lost free will at that moment. I lost myself. I lost control. But it's the act of mindfulness. is the yeah. knowledge of mindfulness that puts you back into the driver's seat and control your emotional ship. That is the Titanic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're always going in and out of free will, I believe. And yeah, man, you, you took out your lightsaber and you use that shit like in that, <laughs> mo- you know, you, you, that's, you, you, that's the thing. That's the, 
battle. This is what it is. Like what you're ex- what you're describing. The fact that you have the mindfulness and you have the awareness to know that, to know that that's how you reacted, to know that you know that's not necessarily how you want to react or you shouldn't feel that way. To know that that is what it is. You know, I think I was talking to Hamilton Souther recently on my podcast, I'm, which I'm going to release soon. But you know, we were talking about this. Like, like I told him, like I was like in my quest to understand things, you know, what is free will, what is truth, what is reality, you know, are aliens real, all these things. Like, I'm I'm always hoping that there's gonna be some magical answer waiting for me and I'm just gonna, oh, I'm just gonna know everything now. Finally, I know everything. Like, sometimes it feels like a lot of us are walking around waiting for like a surprise party to like, Rosetta you know, Stone. Sh- come, yeah, like yeah, exactly. Like you're waiting for like a gr- like you're walking down the street and you're wa- you're hoping that like one day like someone's going to jump out from around the corner and be like surprise, like here's the truth of everything. Like, you know, it's it's not it doesn't work that way. It's like what you're describing, what you did, the the actions that you took, that is the journey, that is the that is being that is knowing. That is knowing. You know what I mean? It's like I don't think I I think there's something kind of fake Unless, unless you can tell, sometimes you can tell that it's really genuine. But I think there's something kind of fake of being like, I don't experience negative emotions, and I'm I'm totally withdrawn. No, I'm glad you mentioned you know, nothing- that because let me tell you a story. The Cavs lost. Let me just say real quick. Two days ago. I, my my thi- my thing stopped uh, recording. You're still recording, right? I think so. We okay, cool. Yeah. So the Cavs lost. Of course, I'm. At that point when we lost, I I told myself this is just a game, you know, death is worse, and I've been witnessing that the whole week, and this is should not affect me, and, you know, to be honest with you, I already know they're gonna lose because we're down, three uh, one, and the chances of us winning four times in a row is pretty slim, so. When they lost, I felt sadness. And I didn't want to admit it because I told myself, hey, it's just a game, whatever, sports, a simulated battle, ha, 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 no big deal. It's not life or death, like we were mentioning earlier, but, you know, how, how ironic. Yeah, but it's okay, but I think it's okay to feel sad. Exactly, right? but I, mean, I didn't want to feel it, yeah. you know, I didn't want to feed right, the monster. Right. So I told myself, and yeah. this is just like a day or two ago, I was like, okay, no, no, no sad emotions, nope, not coming through. And I was ignoring those things when they should have been present. I should have felt sadness, but I ignored it. I pushed it away, but it kept coming back. So I think sometimes it is okay to feel that way. And I had a yoga class that day of that we lost at nighttime. And I took the the train to the place where I was going to do yoga. And I felt so sad <laughs> during that train ride. I know this sounds really bizarre because... I'm no, going in and out of hospitals and I'm witnessing death and I'm so sad over the Cavs losing. But I felt really sad and I kept telling myself, hey, don't be sad, man. Just don't be sad. Why are you feeling sad over this so benign thing? But I snapped out of it. I was like, oh, you know what? I'm just going to be sad, dude. It's okay. I'm just going to be sad because I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed at the outcome. I'm disappointed at the life that is in front of me not meeting its expectations. So mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes it is okay to feel sadness because you have to feel it in order to overcome it. The more you push it away, you ignore it, and you tell yourself lies that it isn't there, 
the more it's gonna haunt you. So I felt really sad for about an hour or two, and I was okay afterwards. Maybe the yoga helped, but I feel like sometimes it is okay to completely feel those emotions that you want to feel. Sometimes I want to punch somebody, but I don't actually do it. I feel really angry, and I let myself be angry at myself. I don't lash it out and physically harm other people. But I feel like sometimes we do need an outlet to release our emotions. Sometimes the emotions get the best of us. It's not yeah. just a cashier being shitty to us. More I mean, than sometimes. Yeah. So More than sometimes. You know, the cashier being sh- shitty at you, you can push that away easily. You can have a sense of mindfulness. At least that's where I'm at. So I guess I'm not that high level where I can only deal with cashiers. But when real sadness comes to me in in terms of disappointment or expectation failings i'm not trained or a high enough jedi to to battle those things yet so i have to let it consume me a little bit first mm-hmm. and then yeah. let it go because it's it's a, it's a hard practice and the practice itself, the struggle itself, that's the fun part. That is where life is exciting. You know, yeah. when we watch movies, we wait for the, the fight. We wait for the lightsabers to come out. When it's, when things are peaceful, there's no movie. There's no movie at all. There's no movie without a conflict in one right. way or another. So It moves the story forward. Right. It moves the story forward. And we're living a story right now. You so, know, this is our story, the human right. story. So it's incredibly powerful, these struggles that we're having, these fights, these blockages that are inside of our psyches. Instead of viewing them as a obstacle and a annoyance, I feel like they're incredibly epic. And yeah. they're the things that move us forward. You know, the mountain might be really hard to climb, but once we conquer the mountain, our muscles have been strengthened, we're more adapt to the atmosphere, we become stronger. So that is the only way we can get better at this game we call life is to move through these mountains that we call struggles, that we call death, that we call relationship losses and things like that. So I feel like think about how think about how privileged we are though to have this ability to to have this experience. To, to to fight those battles. I think we're to, privileged to experience those losses. I think we're privileged in a way that we're mindful of having that knowledge of these things are just yeah. obstacles for us to conquer. Because most of the time, the people around me they don't realize these things as blessings. They're not grateful for these no. struggles. They think, "Oh my God, like the the sky is falling, and there's nothing I can do about it. I'm a victim. I'm a victim. I'm a victim." But once you realize that these things are obstacles, are tests, they are your hero's journey, they are things for you to conquer, then life gets very exciting and it's very fun. Yeah, it would be nice for everyone to be that way. You know, it would be nice for everyone to feel that way and to experience life that way. You know, we would live in a more harmonious way. We would treat each other with more respect. We would have more fun. We would cherish and respect things more sacred things and direct experience and and freedom and liberty we would we would really honor and respect uh, other humans but because people are so trapped in their neuroses because they're so trapped in their delusions 
you know, they're they they really think that it is life. Like everything seems like it's life or death. Why is this happening to me? Why, you know, oh, you know, this just everything seems like the weight of the world is is on you. Like the the pressure is on. You can't you can't say this. You can't think that. You can't act this way. You know, and it's like all these little kind of microaggressions, if you will, <laughs> that, that come that come from our that come from our culture. You know, from 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 the the things that we the things that we allow to exist. You know what I mean? Like it's like we we allow them to exist in a certain kind of way because, in a way, we've become comfortable with this with this life, with this existence, to become normal, to live in that particular way. You know, to be upset at the calves, you know, is fine. You know what I mean? But to be, you know, there's, I guarantee you, there's other people out there. Of course, there are that were upset about the calves who probably went home and like beat their wife. Or like, or like, destroyed like property, or like, or you know, jerseys uh, or, yeah. went, yeah, went on like YouTube and like commented under like Steph Curry videos, <laughs> like, oh fuck you, like, you know, you fucking piece of shit, you know, yeah, yeah, no, I, it was just whatever. It's, yeah, it's it's that, but that's their game, that's their trip. Like, you know, I love when Ramdas says that. Like, you know, it's like kind of an antiquated saying in the psychedelic movement, but it's so true. That's their trip. That's their game. That's their person. That's their journey. That's what they're playing. They're invested in that that mode. And for some people, they enjoy the perils that come along with that. I mean, they, they might not have the awareness to enjoy it, but that is that's that they 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 are so in, they're not interested in exploring other ways of losing that sense of who they are because they're so identified with that person of who they are and what they care about and what makes them tick and what it, it, it upsets them the story of what happened to them their life why they are they what the way they are we're ve so heavily invested in these things a lot of you know a lot of us and to let go of all that and to just it's sit hard. in it's hard it, to, it's hard to do, but when you do it, it's like fucking a, like that's awesome. But we we have to have acceptance that to know that not, it's just not everyone's going to be that way. You know what I mean? People, that's just that's it's we're not going to live in a utopia. And it, it's it, not going to happen. It's also a form of narcissism when we want to go on their Instagram page or Facebook and to write a comment to prove that I'm right and you're wrong. And this happens right. a lot in politics. You know, I posted something. Of course. I posted a tweet by Julian Assange on my Facebook account. And my uncle, who is an amazing guy, but we disagree on politics quite a bit. I love him to death, but he's not the dying one. Um, he's another one. But I posted a tweet on Facebook, and he was arguing with me over um, – you know, this tweet about politics and I didn't want to get into an argument. So I posted some facts and, you know, I was being really respectful and things like that. And one of my old pastors in my Catholic school, he was, he used to be the president of the Catholic school. Um, somehow we're, we're Facebook friends now and he is on the other side of the political spectrum than I am. And he, posted something like that that wanted to degrade me as a personal being and i found that to be completely ironic because this guy used to be a pastor used to be a father and now you're playing this ego game 
which is funny, but I'm used to it now, so whatever. And I yeah. wrote to him, hey, did you even read what I said? Because I actually agree with you for the most part on this specific issue. I totally agree with you. Like, what are you saying? So I wrote something like, hey, did you read what I said? Ha ha. And he said some snarky comment. And at that moment, I thought to myself, okay, this is a thought form. This is a thought bubble. I'm not going to let it come to my head i'm not gonna go on this forum that is my facebook and prove to him that i'm right because my ego doesn't need it my narcissism right. doesn't need it i don't need him to know i'm right i don't need my facebook friends to know how right i am because i could have easily destroyed him because you know what he actually agreed with me so i all i had to do is point out hey we agree on these two things you're an idiot goodbye but i didn't do it i was just like hey um that's a good point you got. Um, it was it's nice talking to you, and I ended it there. And still, he came back with a, another starky comment, like he wanted to prove himself to me that he is correct. And to me, that's a huge mistake, and it's a form of narcissism that we're so blinded to these days. Because especially in the world of politics, it's so polar opposites. You're either on this team or that team. And you want to prove to other people that you're right on every account. You can't be wrong on anything. And it's a form of egotism. It's a form of narcissism. And it's a trap. It's a huge trap for our society yeah, today. Yeah. And yeah. I feel yeah. like I mean, this is a why, lot of us are falling into it. This is why I left my political it. show. Right. Yeah, this is why I left the political show. I just, I, I couldn't, I couldn't rationalize feeding that monster anymore, right. you know, so to speak. Like I, I want to take a different approach. I'm trying to take a different approach and the and and the approach I'm trying to take is more is trying to be more accepting and more mindful and you know it's 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 just uh you know it's like I look at I look at maybe people that are getting worked up like that and it's like oh, okay like you know I kind of feel sorry for you that you feel that way, that you're making yourself get that worked up just for this. You know, come on. It's not really that big of a deal, you know. And and so it's a constant reminder of, of trying to do that because, you know, there, you, you can – you it's, it's it, tapping into that energy – is real, you know, and you, and when you get into that, into that energy where we're no longer playing the game that we're like really like at war and then it's like, all right, you know, this is a little too intense. This is, a, this takes a little bit out of me. This, this, this is not contributing to helping or inspiring anybody. It's only contributing to ego. It's only contributing to, you know, one-upsmanship. It's only, you know, sometimes on psychedelics, I've had experiences where, and I like this, like Terrence McKenna would say, don't give in to awe, don't give in to astonishment. And I think the same can be, it can be applied to what you're talking about here. Don't give in to the, to the pizzazz of the, the flavor of the argument, to the, to the interaction, the, to the drama that's going on. Don't give in to it. Sit back and be the observer of it. You know, like I've had many psychedelic experiences where I, I start, you know, I'm tripping and, and it's, and it's going like, it's a lot of like, 
what the the impression that I get from like what I see from the visions that I see is like, look what I can do. Look at we what look at this. Look at that. Look at how we can make this box and this thing move and this fractal and this piece. It's like, look, there's mandalas now. Well, boom, they're vibrating, and now there's all elves cheersing little beers and singing. Like, it's like, look at how impressive we can be. Look at how creative we can be. Look at how right we can be. Look at how art- how how look at how I can articulate my argument. It's a form of peacocking. It's like, look at what we can do. Look at how we can dance. Look at how we can move. Yeah, exactly. Virtue signaling, moral superiority. I have the high ground. I'm the one that really knows. I'm the, you know, and it's like just when you when you temper that flame down, when you calm that down, when you detach, when you sit outside of that. You know, it's it's just uh you bring a different kind of energy to the situation and thus you create a different reality. You create a different reality. When you bring a different perspective to the situation, when you bring a different energy to the situation, and you know that's what I'm actively trying to do. I'm actively trying to create realities that I want to groove in, that I want to, that I want to, that I want to hang in, that I want to jam in, that that that's interesting and that goes deep and that gets to the marrow and the meat, and that doesn't are you know worry about kind of petty nonsense that's that's trivial and and lame because at the end of the day it's kind of you know it's boring and it just gives off a bad energy but um well I, this is I, what I, this I podcast is for wrap, yeah i think i have to wrap soon but uh any any final thoughts anything else that you want to talk about i got like maybe 10 more minutes or so no man i mean i gotta wrap pretty soon as well because it is getting late here and uh we, yeah we, we almost hit three hours initially in that email i sent to Corey, i was like we're doing a tri cast trialogues trial trilateral commission threes 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 like well, we're three hours two I got hours really excited. and 27 yeah, minutes. minutes so um no i mean i want to do a little recap on this podcast and I also want to talk to our audience about what we're trying to do here because people might must be wondering yeah, like man. what are we doing like are we doing a uh, a three hour podcast with three people what is the number three <laughs> the thing is is that we want to have these long form conversations because a lot of times our our podcast I'm not sure about yours but for mine it's about an hour and a half for the most part yeah. And an hour and a half is not a long time to get a point across because we talk a lot and we don't have good articulation. So we need the time to explain ourselves more. And also it's a good opportunity to for, for you guys to learn more about us because for my podcast, I don't talk all that much. It depends on the guests, but for the most part, I don't I hold my tongue a lot. Um, I don't really give my point of view. I don't want to piss people off. I don't want to scare away the guests and things like that. But for these podcasts, I feel like we have the permission to kind of go off the rails a little bit and kind of just talk about our worldview, talk about what influences us, talk about our experiences like my uncle or my DMT experience or the Cavaliers or the things that we like and we dislike and things that I normally wouldn't talk about to a shaman, you know, like the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, And I feel the same for you as well. You know, people can learn so much more about you, about your ideologies, about your cosmology as a human being. And I feel like these conversations are really precious. And I feel like not just with us, but 
if three people get together, put our cell phones away, computers away, and just talk about life, it's so precious, man. These these conversations are are talks with best friends, you know. And I feel like I can do that with you, and a Corey, and a bunch of other people on this platform and we're just having so much fun here you know what i mean and yeah we're gonna have a lot more of these and of course um we'd love to have Corey back but we're also trying to in- include more guests and include another person another third wheel um doesn't have to be Corey; it could be somebody else and we could have rotating guests but the core it's gonna be me and mike and uh we're gonna release these podcasts on our own um respective channels and um it's gonna be awesome man and i really enjoy these conversations and this is part of the reason why i wanted to podcast to begin with you know to have these conversations you know like talking to shamans and authors and it's great don't get me wrong it's awesome i learned so much from those people they're so smart and full of wisdom like living yodas pretty much but these are the conversations that i can learn from from you guys from mike from Corey, and i also participate in these conversations so i'm actively learning yeah as well as i'm listening and all that stuff so you know yeah, I, dude. I, I we're really... like the calves man we're like the calves i think it's like i love <laughs> i think the reason why these conversations are so great and we couldn't have had a better first guest than than Corey allen because he's just so awesome to to listen to and to talk to and and really puts you in that space and brings you de- you know he, it's like um when people talk about playing sports and i played sports in in high school and stuff it's like you always want to practice and play with people who are better than you so that you can improve your game and i think you know having the guests that we're going to have on kicking this thing off with Corey, it's like we get to jam we get to practice we get to play with a with a, a, a great mind and a great person who is helping we're all I would like to think helping each other, provoking thought, pushing thought, and it's kind of like these these jam sessions, you know, these these like you know, let's get together and let's just like riff on some things and jam our brains out, you know, and it's like that really, you know, that like I was t- I was talking to you, I'm like. I'm not a morning person, so like when I thought we were recording really early, I was like, "All right, I gotta make sure that I'm prepared for this." It's like much the same way that I'm like diving. You know, a diver will prepare the next day for a, a an excursion down to the depths of the ocean, or someone would prepare before they were going on a a, a mountain climb. It's like I want to stretch the limits of my mind, and who better to do it with than you two guys? And I want to make sure that I'm prepared enough to do that. And I hope that all the listeners got something out of this. I hope that they resonated with something and they connected with something. And that's really the mission here is to, you know, have these conversations. One of my favorite movies of all time is The Last Samurai with Tom Cruise. (laughs) How dare you? I love, I know, right? It's like, how dare you like a Tom Cruise movie, that Scientologist bastard. But really, it's a beautiful movie. And I love, I love the, I love the, uh, well, I'm saying it and I'm I'm going with it because the point I'm trying to make is that they get together and they have these conversations and they, that's the point that the warrior guy, like the Japanese warrior guy makes, uh, you know, it's like they come from different cultures, they come from different spaces, they come from different places, they have different perspectives, different ideologies, and that's how everybody that's listening to this out there is. We're all different, we all have different, but there's a similar quality in all of us. And 
in that movie, it was beautifully shown through their relationship, growing through conversation, understanding each other, understanding humanity, exploring the the depths and the the far reaches of the mind and the soul and the spirit and the physical realm. And I think that the more understanding that we have, the more that we're able to communicate these ideas and have these conversations, you know, the the better realities that we're all going to create for each other and the more enjoyable our lives are going to be and the and the less suffering that we're going to have and it's just it's just cool because i think we're playing on we're playing on a certain kind of level right now where it's fun you know it's it's yeah. fun we're 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 vibing, we're jamming, and I hope that people are getting something awesome out of this. And I hope they come along for the the, the discussion to continue the discussion with us. You know, I get I, I always encourage people to message me on any platform. You know, Facebook Messenger is usually good, but it's like I love to engage with the audience, talk with the audience, get involved in these conversations. You know, and um, and I and I think that uh, this is going to be really fun. I I can't wait to release this podcast. And uh, it was absolutely. It's always a pleasure to sit down and an honor to sit down with you, Ed, and 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 of course Corey, who left before. But um, I'm always finding new ideas and coming up with new ideas on the spot when when our minds are jamming together. And that's what makes these conversations so fun. And I and I hope that that also goes to through this microphone through the recording device into the ears of of all everybody that's listening and and that they join us and because that's what it's all about I, I love i love the group experience i love connecting with people and i love communicating and i love talking because i'm just going to keep going and going it's never going to end <laughs> but but it's time to end and we're bringing a death to this podcast now and we're going to end it we're going to put it in a sarcophagus and wrap it up and uh it was a pleasure and i hope everybody enjoyed it Final word, if anybody has any suggestions with future guests that we should bring on to this format, definitely let us know via email. You guys can email Mike or myself. Uh, make sure the suggestions are good because I get a lot <laughs> of suggestions on email or Instagram and they're not good. So make sure they're, they're thought out and... Um, think about what you think about what you're going to say before you talk to us because um we we have a lot of emails and um we want to read and respond to every single one of them and the 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 better it is the the more we're going to respond to it so um let yeah. us know which guests you want to bring up want, want us to bring on and We'll definitely keep it in mind and uh hopefully you guys enjoy the show if you guys like our podcast please give us a five-star review on itunes and also support us on patreon mike has his own patreon so do i we need to help we need to help we need to help because this is not free and this takes a lot of time and i hope you guys are enjoying the conversations there'll be a lot more of these to come and uh, if you guys enjoy these share the links share the podcast to your friends physically show them this conversation physically play it in their cars and Bert, show Bert them. it on a blu-ray and send it to them <laughs> right so psychedelicmilk.com what is your website mikebrank.com mikebrank.com psychedelicmilk.com yeah. check it out thank you guys for tuning in until next time bye bye <laughs>